0: Broadcasting live from sunny South Florida, this is KMA Talk Radio, life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. Your KMA crew, the Italian scallion, Paul DeGracco, Alex Tavella, a.k.a. The Goat, and always telling it like it is, Honest Abe. I like to
1: smoke them like the
2: My
0: big cigar, my cigar. Good morning. Honest Abe here, broadcasting live from sunny South Florida. This is KMA Talk Radio, episode number four three three. I'm here with my gang, the Italian scallion himself, Paul DeGracco, and the man uh-huh. they call the GOAT, Alex Tovella. Good morning, sir. Good morning, genitalia. How are we doing today?
1: <laughs> we're we're here. We're rolling. Exactly. I'm beat up.
0: I'm beat up. Too. Are you? You were I'm beat up yesterday. I was tired. You were beat up yesterday. And when I talked
3: to you, you were running around like a, a chicken with no head on. What well, when I day?
0: when when I don't sleep, because I didn't sleep, what was it, Thursday night? Yeah. Thursday night I was like here in the office like two, two thirty, and then by the time I got home, you know, got into bed, up at six thirty with the kids, I slept like three hours, but I, I get a high. I come in high. I mean, you can ask Alex. I'm singing. and I'm dancing, and then that high like breaks. It's all from, downhill from like, there.
1: Yeah, I have this four, exactly. five o'clock. It's over. It's done. Yeah. Paul, are yeah, you recording live, much live nice from night. the uh, from the slums of Wellington?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I said. To, I said to Alex before. Uh, I don't know. Wellington's a really nice place where where we live, and uh, I don't know. I managed to find like the worst possible block in Wellington. Yeah. No, it's fine. It's fine. Listen, it, maybe it'll be good for my kids to get a taste of... Uh, I,
0: I, I want to go to see where the worst
3: possible block in Wellington you, is. Abe, if you came here, you'd make fun of it. You would make fun of me for having, for being here. The house itself, the setup is nice, but it uh, there's you know what it is? People are going to yell at me for this. Yeah, there's they no are. HOA, there's no HOA here, which... Oh. Listen, there's no HOA, so nobody cuts their, their grass. And they're those they're like those townhouses where there's like four or five <sighs> around. What so a travesty. A grass- you got to oh be careful God.
1: with that uncut grass. You never oh know who will jump God. out at you.
3: They don't pick oh. up after their dogs. And you, you let your kids go outside? Oh, my they God. Go, we have a patio area that they're allowed to play in. They can't go outside. Where did we find this guy?
1: Aristocrat. So no, what I'm not. It, it's
3: it's fine. No, it I'm is. not. The they grass. Nice.
1: I'm in the worst part of Wellington I've ever seen. There's no grass cut here. It's cold no <laughs> group outside.
0: It's Thurston Howell. <laughs> yeah. Lovey, lovey. You know
3: what? In all honesty, my wife and I would live anywhere. It doesn't matter. We've lived in in whatever you would call a sketchy neighborhoods before. Never bothered us. People are people, but. With the kids, I just I just worry. Like people don't put their dogs on leashes over here. So like I worry about stupid things like that. You know, even though there I guess there is a leash law in Palm Beach County, but not not there, in this area. Is that a here. thing? Yeah, yeah, totally yeah. a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And HOAs usually enforce it more. But I hate HOAs. Don't get me wrong. I hate that I can't do whatever I want to my house, but you know, I also don't want my neighbor having six pickup trucks on cinder blocks on their front lawn on the
1: front lawn yeah yeah. which you see around
3: here like that's that's the thing and it's not it's not a bad neighborhood what's wrong with a pickup truck on a cinder block i don't like it in front of their house on the aesthetically
1: it's not the most appealing to paul
3: it's fine if it listen i'll be honest i grew up on Long island so everybody does that it's fine if it's on the driveway it's just weird when it's on the grass
0: if it was a 30 foot boat on cinder blocks i'd be okay
3: no i don't like that (laughs) i don't like that either i don't want anything on cinder blocks on your front lawn it just it looks bad
0: i'm gonna go have a pallet of cinder blocks delivered to his new house
3: (laughs) actually i could probably use them right now build a wall around my house what what i
0: what i want to know is were you guys crying in that picture
3: what does you've, it matter? What, why you've do you've lived there
0: for, for like three years? You got like, It's not like Almost you've been there 40. for like a half a century. Almost you put 40. a lifetime you know, in a house.
3: You know, I'll tell I've you. I've never yeah. seen
0: anybody crying moving.
1: Ever. Let
3: me say this. Let me. Unless you're crying me... from the
1: move, like right. the process <laughs> of too. moving. That's, yeah, yeah. I've well, never
0: seen anybody before, crying.
3: The day but... before the movers had been here, or two days before the movers had had been there, and they got all the stuff that we were putting into storage. It was a real long and stressful day. <laughs> And then that day when we took that picture, uh, which was, I guess, two days ago, that day we had decided to just rent like a U-Haul van and get the rest of the stuff over to this apartment. It's like five miles away from our house. So we were like, "Ah, we're not going to pay the movers to move this stuff. So we did that, but it took a lot longer and there was a lot more stuff than we expected. Had to clean up around in the house. Every time we cleaned something up, the kids spilt something or, you know, there was a mess somewhere. So it was just a very stressful day. And then what I said, we I said, let's take a picture. And first Steffi said, I want to go in and just look around, make sure everything's there, say goodbye to the house, whatever. She went in, she came out bawling. And then I went in, I came. You know what it was? It was more about like this. These are our our, our first two children, and that was this was their home. So it's weird to be leaving it and not going into the new house yet because construction's delayed. So that, I think that was, it was like that kind of feeling like my babies don't have a home.
0: Most people just characterize that moment as, as just being life. And, um,
1: it like, can be a wait, just, just to it recap, is... just to recap, babe, the short answer to your question was yes. I know it was. Cr- have, yes. Are,
0: did you like, are you like the type of person that like stopped and looked at like one of the moldings like <laughs> on the wall and said, oh, that's where Nana, Nala like gnawed the wood. I'm gonna, miss, <laughs> I'm gonna miss that molding there in the corner where she gnawed it for like 30 minutes. I should have fixed that.
3: Oh uh, my god! I I did say goodbye to the house. How does one say alone. goodbye did, to did the house? Did you Did you walk? Yeah. Up I, I, in the how does that process? Hug the goes? house. Don't lie, Paul. Don't lie. Did I you str- hug the house? I didn't hug anything. I walked inside alone, and I looked around, and then I walked inside. So oh. you you. You've been in my house, that big open Ball, space. I
1: said, Ball's "Thank you for keeping us safe."
3: Movie moments alone by himself. Yes, it's
0: always.
3: Like, I'm always like, laughing. So where like was Ball's your final the goodbye? Camera. Where
1: Where was the final goodbye? Like at what? Well, my house is a house?
3: big open con. My old house was a big open concept, so the main room was like the dining room, living room, kitchen were all one big room. So yeah. I stood in the middle by the living room and I just yeah. looked around. I said, "Thanks for keeping us safe, house." <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> What's wrong with that? I'm actually surprised the house didn't have a name.
0: <laughs> no, wait, I didn't. No, wait. I do name my cars. Hold on, don't lie. You said it out loud, right?
1: You definitely said yeah, it. Of out course, loud. I said it out. Oh loud. my <laughs> god! Oh
0: my god! Oh my god! The best comment. <laughs> Wait, what did Evan Darnell write earlier? I caught it. Oh, I, what softer, time. organic version, cotton or Paul? <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, look, I, I can understand if you've been in a house 50 years, you raised kids, your grandkids knew it, man. That, that house was a pit stop, bro. That
3: know, wasn't even was a, a house. Me. Get out of me. here. It was our first house. I never owned a house before, neither did she. It was our first uh, house together, it was a symbol of the start of our family.
0: Oh my I can't gosh.
3: be the only one that thinks that. Who? Who? Is it, anyone that's out there that's commenting and watching right now, please stand up for me. You don't think this is emotional <laughs> <to> <laughs> fucking say goodbye to the house that your babies were born in? Wait, well, wait! Did you did
0: you see Evan Darnell's comment? <laughs> what? Then the house said, "Fuck off." <laughs> yeah. I posted it. <laughs> Thanks, West.
3: I'm there for you, buddy. Oh, oh. oh my oh, god! Uh, all right. But My friend uh, Diana is with
0: oh. me. Of course she is. I needed that this morning. Holy shit.
3: <laughs> well, great. Uh. I'm, glad, I'm glad my emotions could. Listen, I'm not like a cry or anything, but I was a little uh. teary-eyed. Dude, there's no crying. My kids
0: asked me, Daddy, will we will ever see you cry? I said, only if I'm laughing too hard. That's about it.
3: <laughs> my huh. kids were not with me. They did not see me cry.
0: Oh, my God. Jesus.
3: They were not with me. They were outside playing on the grass. So dude, I don't know. So no, what? Want I want
0: to say something else. I don't no, know if I could laugh done. anymore this morning.
3: No, I'm done. The sooner we're done with the show, the sooner I can get to Disney World. Uh... <laughs> Are you really going to Disney World? Of course, yes. Yeah. So I mean, I swear to God,
0: for a guy who does nothing, and when I say nothing, but bitch and whine and complain how he's got no time in life and all this shit going, you're fucking Disney World like every fucking other week.
3: I haven't been to Disney World in like five months, dude.
1: What? there's yeah. no way there's no way wait, wait, hold on wait no how long way. were
3: you out of the state that doesn't count
1: oh uh, yeah three months yeah okay
0: those
3: three months don't count get the fuck out of here june july may i haven't been to disney world since april I, I,
1: I, I'm not all right well but that. then take away three months that you weren't around two months. two months i don't know i'm not buying i feel like he was just there not that long ago
3: Mouse House Detox, Charlie. Great. <laughs> a, a,
1: a comment from our guest on the sideline, if you hadn't noticed, made a good point. Who goes to Disney on a holiday weekend?
3: That's yeah, oh. the worst. Who yeah. goes
1: to Disney on a holiday weekend?
3: Wasn't my choice.
0: So I hope our listeners and our fans out there caught some of our uh, 10th anniversary episode last week. It was actually a very cool trip. It was fun. Um, it was fun. And, I got, and, and a big thanks to uh, the Newman family and everybody at J.C. Newman. Man, they, Those guys were on point. Um it was a little work getting it putting up together and setting up, but uh what a what a great experience it was to see the 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 new place. I, I, I had not seen it finalized, so that was my first time as well seeing everything done. And 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 they were popping tours. Oh, they yeah, were popping tours when we showed up Friday. There were people coming oh, yeah. in there. Um and we had a really nice show. It was a good time. And and in fact, I really enjoyed the dinner we had with Bobby Newman.
1: That was a good time.
0: Yeah, that was Bobby. fun. Bobby took us out to dinner. and It's really weird because, you know, I was the young guy in the room always listening to stories. And now I'm watching Alex and Paul listen to stories. Of me and Bobby. <laughs> the two old guys talking. Yeah, I've become the old guy now telling stories in a room.
3: Three, three old guys. Alan, too.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Alan Goldfarb. We had a good time with our yeah.
3: friend, Alan Goldfarb.
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah. He, it, he was nice, well, it was a fun road trip.
3: He sent me a nice text after the trip, actually. I mean, I, I've met Alan a, a, a handful of times, you know, talked to him several times, but. He was he was actually really nice. He, he sent me a nice text saying he enjoyed the trip.
0: Yeah, Alan's been my friend and rep for JC Newman and Fuente now for 25 years. So you know. awesome guy,
3: man! What a uh, what a he's got great stories too, though. He lived a life, man. Yeah, he
0: has. Yeah, he has. So yeah, he wanted to tag along for the ride, and we're like, absolutely. So it's kind of fun. And you guys don't you guys don't know the nightmare what happened after you. Well, Alex kind of did. But, you know, oh. he, he thought he left his keys in Tampa to his car. Oh, no.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so after
0: we drove back and I, I drove him to his car in our guest parking lot, um, we were out there for like 20 minutes. And I didn't like, know hey, that. Yeah. I, didn't yeah. Know that. And I, and I just,
1: bolted. I was gone. I, I bolted. We just gave up. Yeah.
0: Alex gets out of the car. Yeah. I do Irish goodbyes. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. See ya. So... um but then, you, but then you copped out and you went in and gave him a handshake and a shoulder bump. I saw yeah, it.
1: Uh, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like Alan. Alan's a great guy.
0: But um, yeah, he was looking for his keys. He thought he would have to call his wife to come up and get them and whatnot. And I'm like, dude, just come to the house, hang out, give her a call. And then he finally found it. Like, he was, I never put it in there, but he found it. And he they were in the his road. bag? They were in his bag, which he emptied out like three times.
3: Oh, thank but God. But
0: I guess it was in like a little zip lock, a zip area that he said, I would never put my keys in there. I
3: don't know why. <laughs> Maybe so, they fell out at one point and somebody else did it. Either way, they found it. They all, man, he's like a celebrity in that place. Everywhere you walk, every single person is like, hola, Alan, or hello, Alan, or... Alan! And just
0: so you know, Alan never goes there. Yeah, that's what he said. You know, he just deals with these people over the phone or, you know, on the computers and whatnot because he doesn't really go there unless they have an annual meeting or something, so he's seldom there. But, you know, he's been alan i I gotta say if you look at the whole organization top to bottom he's got to be in the top five of people who've been there the longest
3: i got i gotta imagine that
0: you know and are still alive you know (laughs) so yeah he's he's been there for a long time so and then and then we just we actually actually believe it or not we had to throw out like about i would venture to say about 40 percent of that cake
3: Oh, really yeah even even, I even Austin, I spoke to Austin, and he sent me a picture. He goes, "Hey, by the way, thanks for the rest of the cake,
0: even after like two days we couldn't give it all away two or three days we couldn't give it all away
3: I'll tell you what uh Axel ate it he he liked it, but Eli fell in love with that cake. He probably had it was four pieces it was a cake. great cake it Prop, was a great cake,
0: yeah, yeah, props to the folks at j c newman who who directed Marissa into finding a place to make a step cake, but First off, that cake was heavy.
1: Yeah, I mean, the problem it, it was not only like this long; it, it was this damn high.
0: Yeah, it was a it big, was a lot of cake, heavy cake, and it never even got cut during the show.
1: No, it didn't.
0: No, because like right after the show, they did like a tour, so everybody went to go on their little JC Newman tour, and the cake was there, and
1: put some cake in <laughs> five packs. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't.
0: We never ended up cutting the cake. The first cut is when I dropped Paul off, and he cut. Yeah. He cut a huge chunk to take in the house for his family. Alex didn't want to take any. And then we, you know, my kids had some them, and I bought the rest to work and we left it here for a day or two and eventually had to throw it out.
1: I can't believe Yeah, it I think everybody, everybody was just excited to to go do the tours at the JC Newman factory, kind of we well, forgot about the cake. And,
3: Eric was doing tours too. So yeah. some of those people that were there got to do a tour with Eric Newman. Yeah. yeah. That's cool as hell. No, it was
0: it was a, it was a great thing, and and thanks to any of our fans who actually made the trek and come out there, or came and hung out with with us that day. It was a, it was a nice day. It was a really good day. All right, I want to go back there and do a show, regardless of an anniversary. I think it was a, it was a great, cool room to do a show in. It was,
3: yeah, it was. And I'm glad we got to stay at that hotel, Haya, because uh, that was a I great hotel. Stay there last time I was there, and we we couldn't we didn't get a room there. So next time we go to Ybor City, we're gonna stay there. That place is awesome.
0: I don't know if you noticed this. But did you notice what they had on the door for the do not disturb sign?
1: Oh, yeah, we put it on
0: just because bro, you know, you know, like half the people are taking that. Absolutely. I wanted to take it. Paul, no, I wanted to take it too, but I wouldn't do that to them. But I you gotta believe that they almost made that with the intention for people to take. take, You have to. There's no way because they had this nice little square metal medallion.
1: Yeah. They had,
0: I mean, the whole thing was maybe two inches by two inches on like a small. leather strap it was a it was a it was a it was a rope it was a rope, oh, it, was a rope? It, was a, it was a nice black rope that it maybe only hung that much off the doorknob and on the metal medallion was their logo on one side and the other side said do not disturb and like i'm like i'm like what is this cannot be their do not disturb sign it was and i got i gotta tell you man I, I, half of those got to get
1: taken half of those yeah i mean that's a good point that's probably their intent it's probably going to take a look. They take it home. If I, was paying,
3: if I was paying for the room. Then I would have, I would have taken <laughs> it and, and suffer the consequences, but I don't want to the $85
1: the fee for the do not disturb. Yeah. The, I don't want to be that guy. Dying, that you
3: that gave somebody else. So you take, else the, you take the robes home too, Paul? No. Uh, well, that's yeah. Uh, yeah. I never, yeah. I, I never yeah. did take a robe home until I was with my wife, but we may or may not have uh breakers robes here. <laughs> But no, we usually don't. There were no robes there. And that was the first thing Alex said. He was actually upset. He goes, oh, whoa, whoa. What kind of hotel is this? There's no robes? (laughs) Should I show show the robe, Alex? Yeah. You Uh, have a different, a new robe? Oh, no. Is it a smoking robe? Yeah. Oh, he's turning off his camera. Hold on. I'll wait for him to come back. Oh, see, now this is the problem. Every time he has a cool idea, I got to spend money. Now I'm going to have to buy one of these.
1: That's a nice robe. I like it. I like are it they for up.
3: purchase, or do you have to No, nah, they'll to be name? for
1: purchase. They'll be for purchase because it's tough. You can't just give away, like, you know, I, might, I can't send a large to a guy that's 400 pounds. You don't know what to send people. Well, you ask them,
3: but, you know, that's a lot but of But then
1: that takes away the giveaway of the, the surprise. That's, you know, the uh, coins true. are fun because they, they just show up in the mailbox.
3: That's true. That's true. Oh, man. Well, what about you? What's been going on in your life while we're waiting for Abe to get a robe?
1: Well, I am i I'm a free man this weekend. Family's up in New Jersey. They go and visit your family without you. They go visit her family. She's up in okay. Jersey. My she'll go see my family on Sunday. She makes. I I just I don't I don't. I made a decision about seven eight years ago that I was tired of going home because the only place I ever went on vacation was home.
3: Right. You don't want to just go home I,
1: because. I go home, and I wind up spending the same amount of money as if I went to Vegas or a trip or an island or something. I'm like, I might as well go places I've never been. I spent right. 27 years in Philadelphia. I keep going back home every time I go somewhere.
3: Oh, the Jedi Master is back.
1: I feel I, I feel like Darth Sith. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wait, let me
3: see the logo on the side there, and let me uh, put you full screen. Whoa. That, now, I love like that. Now, I'm now really at, up for that. After working on this for like
0: almost a year now, like nine months, this still is not right placement. This is not, this has got to be like over here somewhere. A little bit lower, right? Yeah. Yeah. Over here. But we're going to have these done hopefully by, by the time Tom and Michelle come down from Alaska. Yeah. Hopefully. That is awesome. Yes. And these are the official smoking socialite robes. Wow. (laughs) Just so
1: people understand how long we've been working on these robes. I thought you forgot about it. The first prototype was my outro to the great smoke. That was the wow. first prototype, and now yeah. here we are in September just getting it where we want it. Yeah, I feel like
0: Steve Saka. <laughs> <laughs>
3: this yeah. is not the right thing. Uh, this is I mean, Look person. where the
0: fuck they put. I mean, I don't know how many times they can't get this. I mean, where the who the hell puts it there?
3: It's, it's probably easier for the embroidery machine. That's probably as far as it can go. They probably no, no, know, no, 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 that's just they gotta move
0: it over. But once they get it done, man, this is gonna be sharp. hot. Yeah, that's great. And by the way, this is softer than Paul. <laughs> thank god this is actually a really nice soft open i like the little hoodie thing that was this wasn't in the original prototype but I like no it hoodie. wasn't no i, I like, like a hood hoodie. on a robe yeah you're making like,
3: kid sizes or what
0: i feel like you know unfortunately see that was the other hard part we went through a couple of companies that just they don't make like robes like in sizes like shirts so it's going to come like in normal size and jumbo size and that's it that's fine that yeah. that should be fine i mean if
3: this if is the jumbo it, right? This Would you fit jumbo. in the normal one? Because that no, looks I, a little
0: I, I, wide. I barely fit in the jumbo one.
1: <laughs> no. This no, that and and that thing is jumbo though. If I put that on, you literally can I can hide completely in it. You won't see me.
3: So I need a normal size. Yeah. So. No, actually
0: we we're gonna get a special kids gap one for you.
3: <laughs> That's why I was making a joke about
0: yes. that. <laughs> Need a giant emblem on the back, yeah. You want to pay $120 for a robe?
3: Exactly. <laughs> $120 just for the emblem. And, and,
0: and embroidery ain't cheap, man. It's by the stitch. <laughs> Literally. It's by the stitch. All right. It's getting hot in here. It's getting hot in here.
3: No. Well, so we have uh Ooh. we have an old friend on the show today. Who's that? Uh Mr. Robert Caldwell is with us. Oh, that guy. <laughs> that guy. Did you just call him old? Man, that's cold. I said an old friend of the show.
0: Oh, oh. Oh.
3: So uh, you want to bring them on? Yeah, man, let's get right. Get them on. in. All right.
0: I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell. It's time to meet your maker.
3: Joining us from just about an hour or so away from our location uh, here. You
0: should have said like some undisclosed. Yeah, like Medellin, Colombia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> America or
3: something. Li- live from Esteli, Nicaragua <laughs> is Robert Caldwell. Well, uh, Robert, welcome to the show,
4: man. Thank you. Do you guys remember my first show that I thought it was on a Sunday and it was on a Saturday and then I didn't show up?
3: Yep. That sounds about right. Yeah, I think I yeah. do remember that. You know, And that was
4: fucked because that was like when I was staying out till six in the morning every day. And I literally had like prepared three weeks or a month in advance. Like I've changed my routine and my sleep schedule. And I'm like, I'm going to wake up and do this show. Then I go out Friday night till like five, six in the morning. And then I wake up to take a piss and it's like 10 o'clock. And I have like a million angry messages from Christian Rola, who was my then partner. Like, where the fuck are you? You 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 know, didn't go to this show. And I'm like, fuck, because I thought it was Sunday, but I'd mentally prepared for a very long time for that. So it was like. It was tragic, you know. And I didn't scheduled? get back all that prep time because, like, no. I spent time like massaging my schedule to wake up not at noon.
0: That's... <laughs> First world problems. Yeah, I, I was
4: gonna say that's living the life.
0: I don't know if you know this, but you know, like, we actually had to restructure how we set up for KMA after you came on the show.
4: In what sense?
0: Because of you, we actually had to go buy that foam padding that we would lay over the granite because your wrist all the wrist things that you wore and oh, throughout, the sh- right. throughout the show you kept like and it would clink on this granite table and resonate throughout the whole broadcast and he wasn't doing it on purpose. It Just every time his wrist would hit the table man it made this un- like huge sound so we actually had to go buy foam padding
3: and it was you I'm and, matt and a lot
0: yeah it was you and matt booth too we had to get foam padding to lay over the granite nice table that when people clank their wrist things, it didn't clank a lot.
3: What a pain in the ass that was putting out every week.
0: It, it wasn't even putting out, it was the taking down in the three minutes so the other show could get on. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: with them standing there staring yeah. at you. While I'm rolling up big foam pads and pulling we down had, the banners.
0: We had this show that would come on after us. That didn't you? It was, do, it was uh, the, the, the car dealer, the, uh, uh, the rehabilitated car dealer. What's his name?
3: Not Ed Morris, the other guy.
0: No, the old guy. Uh, yeah,
3: the, Earl Stewart. Bill Stewart, great guy, by the way, super great great guy, guy.
0: super great guy. So, um, when they were doing their show, they were doing their show before we were doing our show. Um, But like, they just like would walk in, turn on the mics, and start. But then they started seeing our show: backdrops, microphones, cameras, all this shit. Next thing we know, like four months later, he comes in with a producing team. They got a team of three guys: cameras, backdrops, billboards. So we literally had like three minutes five minutes to tear everything down get out so they could start their show
3: because they needed to do their setup they even they were great though they asked if they could sit and watch one of our shows so we did that i think didn't they talk to you on one of their shows Abe, or was that the other show one of the shows had you on maybe they did maybe
0: they didn't i can't remember but he's a good guy i'm gonna tell you why he's a guy because one of our friends not one of our friends actually our web guy brian bought a car and ended up being a real bad lemon and, you know, Earl's, Earl's whole shtick is he's the rehabilitated car salesman. So he'll talk about all the scams and the the bullshit fees and everything when you go buy a car. And, whether you it, he
3: knows a- him because he did him. He says it and, all the time. He's like, yes. that's just how you do the business.
0: Yep. And, um, you know, he, he kind of gives you insight on in how, how, how not to get screwed by the car. So Brian was telling me about his car he just bought. It was terrible. It was awful. I went in there and I asked Earl about it one time before his show or after his show and he's like where did where did he buy it from he's like give, give, give me that guy's number and he like literally called that dealership and said if you don't take this kid's car back i'm going to so and so and call this bureau wow. agency and the guy took Brian's car back after not wanting to deal with Brian after selling him the car
3: good for him
0: yeah he actually got on the phone and called the dealership so i he's, guess he's
3: the one that told me he's the one that told me that when you go to the dealership you have to look at the price even though they give you a different price when you sit down with them he said because Next to MSRP, there might be a small D next to it. He said, when there's that D there, that means it's a dealer set price. So they can make up any price they want. It doesn't mean the manufacturer suggested retail price. They put that D in there, MSRP D. And he said that that means they made up a price. So the MSRP could be, you know, 45,000. And on the sticker, it says 49,000. And it makes you believe that it's the MSRP, but it's not. He said they, they jack up the price so that they have negotiating room. He said that and technically it's legal, but it's not ethical.
0: Putting so. the D putting the D there makes it legal. <laughs>
3: I guess so. Yeah. It is.
0: Oh, there you but go. Crazy? Little tidbits you learn on KMA talk radio. Yeah. So Robert, where is this uh tropic, subtropic region you are broadcasting from?
4: That's my yard, man. Nice. I have I have a cool like uh this is my side yard. I I, I mentioned to you, but I bought like an old narco. Like compound and then I've been redoing it. So there's like tons of foliage everywhere. Lots of hiding places
3: in a good way, or you wanted it that way or you're clearing it out.
4: No, no, no. Like I'm leaving, I'm just redoing the house. I mean, I like nature. So yeah. it's like a super, it was uh at one point it was a uh, land that was owned by like Fairchild tropical garden, which is like the botanical garden in Miami where they grew mm-hmm. plants that fed into that. And then uh like a narco pilot bought it and then built like a cool house on it. And then it just kind of went into disrepair. So I bought it a few years ago. It was kind of like a teardown. And then I've been slowly redoing it. And then I don't know if you can hear that working today. I'm like in the last, I just did like hurricane impact glass and doors. We're doing the paint. So it's like the final stretch of oh, nice nightmare. But it's very cool. I found like a bunch of hidden safes, like there's hidden safes in the room in, in the floors, like under like when we ripped out the floors, there were like safes. There's a panic room that's really? built into the uh, one of the rooms like underground. And then there was an, there awesome. was a panic room outside with a submarine hatch, like in the back corner of the yard. And apparently there's like a 12 by 12 by 12, like concrete room under there. Wow. So this really wild. It's very cool. This I'm gonna say it's live. safe to assume your neighbors yeah. can't see you from the yard, can they? Nobody can see anything. And <laughs> then actually, so we built a wall. We're very private people, and we generally like hate humanity. And so I went to redo my my driveway because the driveway was like asphalt, and I wanted to do poor concrete pavers. So I went down the street and I rang one of my neighbors because it's it's like a it's a block that's like 10 10 homes like around the block but it's very the whole thing's very forested because it was all this like thing where they grew these trees and plants and shit and then so I went down to um to my neighbor and I rang the 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 like bell you know or whatever by the driveway and I left like a little message like hey I'm your neighbor because nobody really knows anybody here I guess I mean you kind of like casually see people every so often so I said you know I'd like a referral on the driveway company you use cause they did a great job. And then like two weeks later I get a phone call from this woman and she's like, Hey, we never check our, like, I guess when you press that button, you can leave that message and people just right. drive by and they're like selling, you know, right. like I want to cut your grass or like, do you need trash pickup or whatever? So I guess like the amount of like spam rings is insane or like, Hey, it's Amazon. There's a package. Right. So then we didn't put a, a buzzer or anything. So like, if you don't, if you don't have my phone number, I don't know you're here, which is great, because then <laughs> nobody ever bothers us, which is nice.
3: I guess we can't come and visit then.
4: No, no it's <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah, hard locked.
0: Yeah, you just need a machete to get to this house.
4: Exactly.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. You don't find a lot of that in South Florida. You have no, to and in- actually,
4: particularly this neighborhood, man. Like they they cleared everything, so everything's like. I mean it's crazy because like as tropical as it is down here, you know, it's like let's saw everything down, yep. put down grass and like two palms by the pool. Yep. yep. So
3: an HOA community in,
4: in one there line. Go, that's
3: the la- that's the last of it, Robert.
4: I got more coming your way. That's the I'm last working on I, I've been working on a brand, actually. I think I mentioned to you, but I'm gonna be like in the next eighteen months, I'll have a little licorice brand. So I'm very Are we gonna about talk
3: that. about this now? What, licorice? Yeah i was just showing him this is the last of it because
4: i got cause more coming and i way.
3: bonded last time too but i wanted to ask you a question because so if you don't know uh robert is kind of obsessed with with licorice from around the world robert so is a black is licorice
0: connoisseur
3: yeah connoisseur. so i thought i was i thought i was into it but robert's like taking it to a whole different level but um i had friends that recently moved back to finland robert mm. he Finnish licorice
4: of course yeah, they do some weird shit. I they have, do I have salt. They do salt, double salt, and then they have a salted, spiced one, and then they have yes. a Ooh. spiced pepper one. I have. I a,
0: that a, you had a salted one, Abe. You definitely yeah, well, had a. Most of the stuff he sent me is salted. He only sent me one sweet one. Most of the stuff he sent me salted, but not spice salted. I, that sounds interesting.
4: I, yeah, I there's have actually some gear,
3: Abe. I'll get it to you.
4: There's some really cool. There's one. I think it's out of. It's out of Denmark, but it, or excuse me, Finland. I forget the maker, but it's, it's called super salt. And it's like, like you, like, it's like, it's, it's really intense. It's like, it's so salty. Like your mouth foams. Yeah. I I have
3: some like that here. I'll save some for you. The next time we see you, Robert it's, I mean, it is, it is different. Nobody else in the house likes it except for me. Yeah. I actually enjoy it.
4: It's an, I think it's an acquired thing. Maybe
0: Robert. Absolutely. it is, Robert first on kma talk radio told us about how he enjoyed it because I, I like licorice black licorice and he told us how he enjoyed it with a cigar oh. first time i'd ever heard of it and honestly ever since then if i have some i always have someone have a cigar it, and you it, know
3: I, what's funny lou rothman told us that most major cigarette brands add to oh. real all of them that oh, they add licorice oil or essence to the to
4: Yeah, the so licorice, the number one use for licorice globally is actually tobacco seasoning, like for enhancement but with wow. cigarette tobacco and pipe tobacco, and we don't use it in the cigar industry and actually, I brought back like a, a bunch of pure licorice extract from Sweden um, to our factory to like use this at Beethoven to see how it worked and it didn't work, there's, there's gotta be a secret to it, but we were, we were like playing with it just to see, okay, what would it do to a cigar and like it didn't work um, but in cigarette tobacco, like that's what they do with licorice. I mean, they season yeah. the shit out of it. And it, you can take uh, a not so intense tobacco flavor and like amplify it. Like the same thing like MSG does to food, like just flavor enhancer. It, it has the same effect on tobacco. And interestingly, when you smoke cigars, it has that effect. Like uh, uh, Abe, like you said, you, like it brings out notes and nuances of intensity.
2: And funny I- enough,
4: so I mean, I have a handful of manufacturers that always ask me, for licorice and then some of them like i mean aj when i was working with aj i gave him licorice in in nicaragua and he'd never had it like in his life and um ever because it's not a thing that's in central i mean it's not it's not common at all i guess really and then so a lot of central americans south americans caribbeans they think it's anise because it's a similar type of thing but anise to me is something that kind of like fucks up the flavor of a cigar so he tried this he tried it at his house and he's smoking a cigar and he's like and he's like, can you get me some? And I was like, yeah, I was on my way to, to Europe on a trip. I'm like, how much you want? And he's like, you know, like he just gestures. So I literally brought him a duffel bag, like a small <laughs> carrying bag with like about $600 worth of like different stuff and just gave it to him. And then like, I, like three weeks later, he's like, I need more.
0: So. <laughs> Robert Caldwell we is the licorice pimp of the cigar industry. yeah uh,
3: seriously. When we went to Italy, I I bought the Leone tins. Yeah. With the you know, and I, I probably bought. I mean, they came in cases like this that were that were vacuum sealed. I think I bought six of them and brought them back with us with luggage. They're gone now. I mean, that was four years ago. But uh, they're hard to find those those here. Yeah,
4: luggage. and that's why I wanted to do a brand because like I they're they're nowhere. So yeah. the last one that was here commercially was Sensen, Sen, which kind of like when I was a child, they were around, but Abe, your generation, they were, I mean, that was it. It was, And that was an anise-enhanced licorice, and that was the last brand to really exist. And then now you talk licorice, and people are like, I like red licorice. And you're like, that's not licorice. Licorice not is literally. the fucking root of the plant. Like, that licorice is, it's like saying, I like bubblegum cigars. I mean, bubblegum, it's not a cigar. It's a candy. And then, so the other stuff, it's like, You know, you had like black Twizzler that turned into red Twizzler, and then now they call that red licorice, which is ridiculous because licorice is black, and it's it's a flavor on its own. But so that's kind of where the idea came from because I can't get any of this stuff, and then so I was like, I'll reach out, and I looked into it in a promo type of way at first, but then I was like, I was like, I might as well just do something with it because why not? So I started pre-COVID. I went over to Italy, met with some manufacturers, started working on some stuff, and then COVID hit, and Italy got like. Wrecked, and one of my manufacturers yeah, really got rocked. Yeah, they got. I mean, they got like, old that first month or two months, and then one of the guys just stopped responding. And then I have another one that I was like, literally at PO stage, and then they ghosted, didn't respond for like a month. And this is a major company out of Sicily, and they they just disappeared. And I had a huge PO, everything lined up, and then I'm like, hey, blah blah, and then and then three weeks later, I start getting these auto. Response like, hey, we're on vacation for the next six months because it's Europe, so oh, we're out for all of August and half of September, or whatever. And then I sent him a fiery email this morning, like you guys are assholes. And if not, I'm going with whoever. But Leone's an amazing brand, but Leone's expensive. And, and it's hard to get because here expensive. because you have yeah. to.
3: I, you can get it from importers, but you have to buy it by like the gross. So yeah, and then the shipping is very expensive. Yeah, somebody
0: put up Kevin Sheehan's question for Robert. yeah.
3: Uh, So Kevin Shahan saying, Robert, what's the thing in licorice that can make it deadly? There have been a few stories this year of people dying after consuming large quantities of licorice over a few days time. That's a question
4: I don't have an answer to, but I believe it. I, I believe like so licorice in huge quantities in a pure form does something. But I mean, I'm talking like you eat three pounds of pure licorice. It does something with your heart. It can it can affect your heart. But I mean, you have to consume it. Like I read an article about this a year and a half ago, and it was like an FDA warning, and it had to do with licorice consumption in pure form, and it was like for people that eat like up to one pound a day. But I'm mean like, hey, that yeah. little container, you'd have to eat like twenty-five of those every day. So it's really yeah. crazy because it's a very beneficial thing. It's very, it's beneficial to your stomach. Listen, it's,
0: I don't care. I don't care what it is. Any any single item in that quantity is going to have an adverse effects. Water can kill you. Water can
1: kill you. Exactly. So without,
3: we're talking. And guys, just so you know, like we're talking. Like the ones that we eat are like little. They look like rats. Yeah, they're
1: not Twizzlers. (laughs) Yeah,
4: yeah.
3: Those are actually big ones.
0: Yeah, and you eat uh, like it's the camera that makes it look a little big. They're
4: not really. You eat like two or three a day, and you're good. I mean, I eat like ten on on a busy day. I'll eat ten of those little pieces. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I,
3: I love them after meals for sure. Like after dinner, I pop one of those in. That's that's one of my favorite things. So, yeah.
0: Robert, you know, I know you've been in the industry a while, but you know, you have a very unique business model and how you do things. And for some of our listeners who may not be too familiar with your brand and your companies, tell us a little bit about your company, your your model, where your cigars are made, your special products, a little bit all about the lost and found. You know, let, let, pretend, pretend someone's finding out about you the first time.
4: Tell them about your company. Okay. So Caldwell, I mean, I, I've been in the industry in one way or the other, I guess, for like 15 years. Um, I started in like cigar services for hotels and restaurants here in Miami kind of on accident. And I think most of my history is accidental. It's not really intentional. Um, but I started a, a company distributing cigars to restaurants and hotels in Miami For a friend of mine, I was meaning to just kind of set it up and be a investor. And I've been a consumer of cigars for now about 28 years. So I've always had an affinity for them. I love smoking, you know, whatever. And so I kind of like, I was like, okay, I'll set this thing up. And then, you know, I don't know, like just be the quiet partner. And then I ended up running that thing full time. And then from there, I started doing like private label work um, largely with Camacho in the beginning, it was Oliva and then Camacho, but I started doing private label work for my accounts. And then that rolled into a partnership with Christian Aroa where we ended up building a factory in Miami in Wynwood, which at the time was nothing, but then grew into like a neighborhood that's very well known for its art scene and all this type of stuff. And, um, and then from there, that partnership, you know, didn't work out. And then we, we ended up building Caldwell and Caldwell was a very simple model. I mean, it was like, we wanted to use aged tobacco. So like very aged, like when we went out to curate, I guess our tobacco, it was like, we want really old tobacco or rare tobacco or tobacco that's grown in smaller quantities. Or like we wanted something special um, with the cigars instead of just doing mass market kind of production cigars in terms of tobacco use. So, and I always used to say when, when I'd be asked that question, you know, in the cigar industry, you have, Or in tobacco, you have like very, very large availability of certain tobaccos. And so when you see big tobacco companies make cigars, they're they're going for quantity, quality and consistency. And then so the quantity is the most important thing of that. So a lot of stuff is left to the side because it doesn't work for a larger scale project. So we said, okay, we want to deliver a slightly different flavor profile or something more unique. And we can do that with very aged tobacco and more rare tobaccos and not have to hit these metrics of producing a a ton of cigars so we launched the brand very artistically kind of forward which was um a segue from the winwood project which which was in winwood which became like an arts district while we were there and worked very closely with with a lot of artists to create our imagery and then with this whole kind of ethos behind the brand that we want to use very very well aged tobacco but also stuff that's not run-of-the-mill and so these tobaccos would be used by a manufacturer, but maybe for a special edition or something unique or blah, blah, blah. So we went out there and really kind of found stuff that was out of the norm for our three core lines, which was King is Dead, Eastern Standard, Long Live the King, and built those. And then you kind of notice from there, we started adding like a lot of brands. So we did Savages, we did Anastasia, we did Last Sorry, and we started adding because all those cigars that we made, the nature of the tobacco was that we couldn't make a ton of them. Um, so once we kind of hit our, our, our production maxes on those, we had to start building the brand, you know, by extension instead of yeah. vertically, because there's only so much that you can make. And still to this day, I mean, Eastern standard, there's like a cap on the quantity of cigars we can make on the, the, um, Piraka, Connecticut hybrid, the original one, there's a cap. So now you have Eastern standard, you know, Maduro, you have an Eastern standard sun grown that kind of dilutes that whole brand a little bit and pulls people off the core so that we can hit that, but I mean, we 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 built the company in that in that way, and then only using we only use the grade A tobacco. We use the best tobacco available to us. So it was it was a slightly different concept where we really wanted to focus on these specialty tobaccos. And as I said in the beginning, things on accident with us, we planned to launch Caldwell years ago as a multi-faceted kind of luxury brand company. So we wanted to do a hundred thousand cigars a year which to us was like this huge amount of cigars and then we wanted to do leather goods uh we were going to do bags uh like i mean weekend travel but we were going to have a whole leather line uh and then we were going to do coffee so the cigars took off so quickly that we kind of folded on everything else and then focused on the cigars and we sold i think our original production was like 80,000 cigars or 82,000 cigars. We sold them in like three or four weeks or six weeks or something, but we sold them very quickly. And then we had to focus all our attention on, on premium cigar manufacturing. So that's kind of the story of Caldwell in terms of like the origin and, and what about it was a little bit more unique with the manufacturing. And then Lost and Found, again, like I said, who a lot working, of the
0: Who is working on making your core line cigars? Who are you working with?
4: Uh, it's a small factory called Tabacalera William Ventura out of Dominican Republic. Is that our good friend Henderson? Henderson, exactly. His father and his brother, uh, his father started that factory, and then Henderson was there. And then Henderson was kind of running the factory together with his father, and then now his brother Weber came over, uh, now that Henderson has his brand, and then Weber's kind of like the the guy running point on the factory. But small family factory, when we started working with them, they had about a 1,000 square feet, and then since then, they're up to about 40,000 square feet. So it's grown a lot. Um, wow. You know, yeah, we, the time that...
0: we, we, we've actually uh, he was just actually here a couple days ago, maybe this last week. Yeah. Or was it this week? I can't remember. All my last weeks week. War, he stayed with
4: me on the weekend. Yeah. I think. He came
0: up. Um, yeah, we bought in his line to our shops. Uh, he'll be working with us in a lot of cool projects this year and next year. Um, very interesting family. Really good guy. And uh, we're, we we become a big fan of his cigars. In fact, I saw Alex have one of his cigars at his work desk the other day.
4: Yeah. They're yeah, good he cigars. No,
1: he, he does. He makes good stuff, the guy, man.
4: Young guy, too. Young mm-hmm. guy. It's like 29 Al- or 31. Alex- Haven't we
3: had him on the show, Abe? No. A couple of years no, ago?
4: I
0: don't think so. But he'll be coming on very soon.
3: Okay, maybe we talk to him.
0: Alex... To look- I think we robbed you of your moment, man. What is your scene in the background this week?
1: We didn't talk. About oh, that. oh. So this is uh, Dante and Luigi's restaurant in South Philadelphia, made famous for a mob hit in 1989 on Halloween night. Castellano. But, uh, uh, no, Paul Castellano was in New York. Wrong city. Oh, oh, city. Yeah, wrong city. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. It was oh, actually God, not to throw names out, but it was actually Nicky Scarfo Jr. He lived. But uh this is also my my second job I ever had too. I was a busboy here. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Well, there you did go. You,
3: how long did you work
1: there? Uh about 3 years, oh, give wow. or take. I mean, I was a kid. I was, you know, a couple of days a week busboy. It was a good job though. Made good money for, you know, a kid in the 90s, 14, 15, 16 years old.
3: For somebody that doesn't like to go home
1: and visit, man, you you do love your, you know, you have hometown pride, huh? Yeah, but, you know, again, I have a reason for not wanting to go home and visit. Like I said, the only place I ever went after I moved to Florida was I went home. I mean, with you know, there's, there's a million places to go in the world, and I just keep going home and spending the same amount of money as if I went somewhere.
4: I'd be proud to be from South Philly, too, though. There you go. See what I'm I mean, saying? South Philly's are cool. Philly, to me, is, like, one of the, like, most, I don't know. unrenowned places like it's like i'm just i every time i go i'm like why is this not like philadelphia to me and especially south philly it's got like that kind of lower manhattan like back in the like early 2000s vibe where it's kind of grungy it's cool you have like the neighborhood shops you got the little cafes you got the butcher you got the bread guy it's got a lot of that that you that you don't see in the u.s anymore at all and i think that's super special and I, i i think and particularly south philly i think it's a really cool area man
1: Right, so, right. It's one of the last places, like you said. You still find butcher shops. You know the lost art of shoemakers and that kind of shit that still Robert, there. It's,
4: yeah, it's,
0: it's one of those places I like to characterize. It got frozen in time. A hundred percent. Right. It's like frozen in that moment of time, and and it, it's it's kind of cool to visit, without a doubt. So, Robert, so you now your core lines all being made by the the Ventura family at their factory, and. Uh, no, most of it, most of it. Okay, yeah. so who else are you working with?
4: Uh, what was the Camacho factory in Honduras now? Whatever they call it, the the production factory there for Got it that's owned by Davidoff, I guess. I don't know what they call that yeah, factory, yeah, but they make a name, they make our blind man bluff lines, uh, two of them. So we produce also there.
0: So, working with. One of the biggest companies and a very boutique company it's a good yeah shopping. and
4: actually by design so when we when we launched the brands we had like i said we had we sold so much that we screwed ourselves for several years where we were constantly on back order uh we couldn't fill orders and then so we needed a solution and then we were having a conversation of like what do we do and then we were speaking to those guys and it's like okay we need kind of everyday price points because Caldwell at the time was uh more premium price so we were like 9 to 13 range and then so we wanted to build something a little bit more economical that we could just kind of make unlimited quantities of. And that's where Blind Man came around. That There's not really a production cap on that cigar. So we had to export that concept away from the Venturas um, and go with somebody that could produce whatever we needed to. And then that's where Blind Man was born.
0: What's some of the challenges of working with two different extreme size companies i mean because they did they're pretty much about as opposite side of the spectrum as you can get in size and production no
4: yeah i think actually the challenges are the same um really yeah i i'd say the biggest challenge is always like communication and um pipeline issues so i think regardless of where you're producing from the smallest to the biggest you're always going to run into kind of those Cause it's funny because all the time we have that conversation internally, right? So it's like, ah, uh, you know, the fucking Venturas, you know, and then the next minute it's like, ah, goddamn, these guys over here. So it's, it's always kind of the same, uh, problem that we run into when we run into a problem. It's so it's, and, and actually, I mean, that extends to, we, we worked with AJ Fernandez. We worked with Drew Estate on projects. Um, we worked with Carrillo. So I think that that, that same exact problem exists all the way through the pipeline, any company that you go to. And I don't know if it's not, I don't know if it's born from those companies or it's just kind of like a consequence of doing what we do. Um, Everybody kind of runs into the same issues um, all the way through the channels.
3: Are you you having issues now with product with supply?
4: No, no, we, uh, we very proudly pivoted COVID like in a really, really good way. So we, I remember, and I'm very proud of this because I remember, like when COVID started, kind of like knocking on the door. I was actually on your show last, just prior to that, uh, which is I think when Ronnie Haisha came down and Matt Booth was yes. there. It was like right before COVID. Yeah, when Matt Booth um, showed, just showed up. Yeah, and yeah. then I shot up. I shot up to New York, and I'm I. There was like the guy on the subway, like oh my god, this guy on the subway got COVID. And then I think like a day or two later, it was like an Uber driver got COVID. And I'm like, that's the Uber driver that drove that guy to the hospital. And like right away, it clicked with me. And then these two kids at this high school got COVID. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's got to be this guy's kids. And sure enough, that's what ended up having happened. But we, um, during that point in time, I called my one of my business partners, who's a finance guy and our CFO. And I said, Juan, you know, something weird is going on because I felt a weird vibe. Very, very much at the beginning of last year of 2020, just in terms of like the marketplace, like something wasn't gelling. I couldn't figure it out. It was like, you I got a girlfriend that you've known forever. And then all of a sudden, like something's wrong and she's not telling you. And that's how I felt the market was. I felt like something was strange. And particularly coming out of New York and California, there was like this weirdness. Um, and on that trip to New York, I noticed like I, I went to go to a retailer and it was like everybody had to sanitize. And like he told me that his business had collapsed uh, lounge business, everybody was coming and grabbing a cigar and leaving. So, those are two markets that are very, you know, kind of inclined to be that way, you know, where, oh my God, something's going on. Like, let's kind of freak out a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. And then, so I call one, my business partner, and then he's like, let me make a couple calls. So, he actually called the banks that we work with and he's like, hey, we want to extend our lines of credit to see what's going on kind of in the back end of the world financially. And they're like nope nope everybody just said no and we're like wow. I mean we're like very credit worthy we don't run up debt like we like we're very good, good company relationships when it comes to those okay. things Every, yeah and everybody just said no to us so the only thing we could get was uh, a line of credit from American Express that had a prepaid interest Wow um and so we grabbed that line because that's all that was there. And that line was horrible. Like it was 8% up front that you prepaid. And then they'd start debiting you, auto debiting you starting the next day for the loan balance over the course of like eight months. But we said, okay, let's prepare for the worst. And then we blew out every cigar that we had in Miami on like a 20% off. Like we just dealed out a little bit um, on everything to empty the warehouse. And then we imported a ton of cigars to Miami. And then the world shut down. And then- like kind of in harmony with those moves, we we started producing a lot of cigars in Dominican Republic. So we got a lot of cigars made the first few weeks of COVID and then DR shut down and DR was shut down for a while. Honduras Nicaragua was like these rolling shutdowns.
0: Yeah. DR was the longest shutdown.
4: Yeah. And then Henderson and his dad, they have the factory that they run now, but they also have the older factory, which was the one that we had just kind of grown out of. So they split the workforce between two factories And so now they were compliant with government with like the 50% work, um, you know, or or personnel thing because we split between two factories and we just kept rolling full steam. So on the backside of it, when, you know, when everybody started getting on back order and stuff like that, we hit it in stride and we've we've had next to no back order at all through all of COVID on almost anything, maybe a skew here or there. But I mean, we ramped like packaging. We ramped out of Portugal. We ordered tons of bands. So the cash that we brought in from kind of blowing out the Miami inventory March of last year, all that went right into production of bands and boxes and more cigars. And so, I mean, a lot of this, it was a Hail Mary is what it was. I mean, there was no, there was no science behind it. It was just kind of like the theoretical, okay, it's like balls to the wall all or nothing. And and I think that we, we handled that very, very well. And we were rewarded as a company for taking the risk. Our sales went up. You know, very, very much last year, uh, as I think they did for a lot of people, and then this year they really exploded because this year we've just been the whole time like lockstep and stride, and and had the mechanics behind the brand, and we haven't had any issue at all with with anything. So,
1: I'm looking for your was, warehouse. A, was, I uh, knew what you were doing, Abe. I I'm, knew I'm, you were doing it. I'm looking yeah, for your, there, there were a couple in there. I'm looking for your warehouse order to see
0: how bad bad your back orders were. <laughs> oh, hold on.
4: I got There's so nothing done. backed up. There's hold so on. I guarantee you everything shipped. I got nine different folders
0: depending on what stage of the process they're in, but <laughs> I think you're in this stack here.
1: I was There's, trying a to see. There's a system; it's insane.
0: If I got hit by if I got hit by a bus right now, this company would be fucked.
1: I already did that <laughs> one, Abe. So that's in your completed stack. I
0: looked
4: at it; it's not in it.
1: Oh, uh, it's done. Then
0: something got moved when we were look when we were going through that other project last night. It's here. No, we haven't.
4: We haven't. We haven't had issues. If if so, like I said, it's been a skew here or there.
0: That's a completed one. That's why.
1: Yeah, it's a completed one.
0: Yeah, but um,
4: no. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I've
0: said it before, and I'll say it again. I literally picked the worst time in the last thirty years to say, "Hey, let's just open up a warehouse." (laughs) It's like literally the worst. Half these companies are fulfilling half the orders. Some are
1: fulfilling none of the order.
0: Yeah, see, your part—your part was complete, but Briggs wasn't. That's why. Let's take a look here. Wow, he's gonna back ordered Eastern Standard Cream Crush. Uh, you know what? You don't have a lot of uh, and, no. He doesn't.
1: It wasn't
4: a lot. And savages.
0: A of Listen, it, it wasn't a small order. Only two items were back ordered. Not shad. Yeah, no, and no. I'll tell
4: you why. Savages, we got a buyout of like 300 boxes that was for a private event.
0: You should have pulled my and that's first. <laughs>
4: No, this was in front of you. This was like oh, we had a we. we had an event here in Miami that a local retailer like freaked out and they needed like a ton of. And we don't. I mean, we don't carry three hundred boxes of any one skew at any time. We I'm, import I'm gonna, every Monday.
0: I'm gonna tell you something because the amount of errors and misships and everything. I mean, I, I have. You can see behind me. I mean, I I got folders and folders and stacks of invoices. Your company was pretty on point with everything. Thank you. It was one of the easiest invoices to read. To I was understand. gonna say
1: that too. In putting the info in, it was e I didn't have to double back off another sheet. It was it was straightforward.
4: Straightforward, it was no
0: mistakes. You actually had the right show deal on there. I didn't have to call because you forgot to put very, very well done, sir. Thank you.
4: Well, I'm glad because I think if you if you compare that to two years ago, it was probably a very different story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. This is this wow, is the, yeah. This is the warehouse stuff. All that's different. the back order stuff, <laughs> this, yeah. Pretty much, this, 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 this all the different stages of where it's at in the process of getting in, entered on the web, and paid. Woo. Yeah, interesting stuff. So, listen, we got to take a short break, Robert. Um, after the break, I want to get a little bit more about the lost and found project, the charity stuff you do. Um, we got a good question Perfect. for you from our good friend Eddie Guerra, and our uh as the Record Spins AVO segment. Um, we also, we're coming up on what, number two? Or we're on number two now, Alex? Number two. Number, number two. two. Number two, and next week will be number one, Tail of the Tape, season two, Pro Wrestlers Edition. We're going to have a lot of fun in hour two. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Keep it lit. The H Upman
1: 1844 Classic is a medium-bodied cigar with wonderful flavor
2: notes, of toasted almonds, cocoa, coffee, and just a hint of spice. Featuring an Ecuadorian Connecticut shade wrapper, you get wonderful aroma notes of sweet coffee and chocolate. Available in a Corona, Robusto, Toro, and Churchill, this is a great time to experience the nuances of nature with the HM1844 classic, a shade above others. Surgeon General Warning, cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Hey, babe. Yeah?
1: I'm almost out of wine and I want to order some online. Where should I order from this time?
3: KMAwines.com, of course.
1: KMAwines.com? What's that? What's that? What's that? Hold on a second. Let me show you. You see, KMA has teamed up with Bonner Fine Wines to offer KMA listeners a fantastic deal on a Malbec three wine sampler. You see, here is their famous Malbec, grown at an altitude of 8,950 feet, three wines from the edge of the world, an old French Malbec variety no longer found in Europe. These three wines, 200 years in the making, yours KMA listeners for 53% off, normally $130 But like I said, KMA listeners get 53% off. That makes it $69.99. So what do you think? I think we should order. I agree. And done.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to Hour 2 of KMA Talk Radio. Um, It's really funny because some people operate like clockwork. When we go to break every KMA show, I hear the office doors start to slam.
3: Oh, you should watch the video. I've never seen this kid move so fast.
0: Alex runs to the bathroom every KMA break. I, I hear him. There goes Alex. Yeah, yeah. Now Paul, make it back in time. Paul was even too lazy to even upload a new commercial playing the same one three weeks in a
1: row. That well, you don't even, change the class. That anymore. isn't even his commercial.
0: Yeah, and I hate to say it, but Kevin and Jess put more effort into one commercial than I think Paul put into all the ones he's ever made.
1: I foolishly thought that that commercial would motivate Paul to really put something together. No, he but has no
0: shame. Paul has no shame.
1: He hasn't even asked for the microphones back.
0: No, no he's, shame. No a big, uh, big week.
3: Every, yeah. every, you have the microphones every week. You, you have packed,
0: them. You packed them. You don't even, he doesn't packed. even
3: know he has them. Yeah. Well, no. I guess I don't.
0: It's such a shame.
3: You know if I, what? If I do, they're in a storage unit in Wellington somewhere. I'm, I'm so. going
0: to rename Paul Shameless Paul.
3: You had the perfect opportunity too, while while
1: moving having it, a, a, a having a truck, glass
3: of Bonner wine while saying goodbye to your yeah. house. Like I, I'm not drinking right now because we're on that stupid diet. Yeah. Okay. I have to. I have to use some food coloring in a uh, in a glass of water.
1: I'm going to make a commercial.
0: Seriously, I mean, it's just
1: I'm, I'm it's, just gonna make a commercial.
0: This, this speaking, point, I wish
3: you would. This point
0: I would. Has become, this I would. point has become I already got it down. This point has become the disappointment every week during the show. This is the disappointing moment. Speaking, and, speaking and, of and why? forget about me, even even our fans who are busting yeah, on him are all has me no out of it no effect, no effect on the man. Because Paul's the type of guy, like Alex knows me. If there's something I gotta do, I just I will stay here to get it done. Paul's the type of guy. Oh, it's 9.45. It's time to go to bed.
3: <laughs>
1: 9.45, yeah. Puts his I'm robe so, and I'm slippers so, on. He I'm has still his, processing orders at night. He has his
0: evening Earl Grey, and then he's in bed by 10.01. Abe, hey, we, we had
1: an, we had one of those moments two days ago. Yeah. 10, 10.30 at night. Ooh. What are you still, still doing here? What the fuck I, are you still doing here? I came
0: out of my office to use a copier. It's, it, it was like 10.30 at least. And I come out there like, Alex is sitting there like, "What the fuck are you doing here?" <laughs> it's like, it's like, and his answer was the right answer. When do you think she can get done? And it is. It's when no one's bothering us, no one's calling us, we're not being pulled in twenty directions. I can get more done between eight and midnight than I can
1: a whole day. Oh yeah, I can two three that. hours with nobody around is better than a full day.
3: Yeah, I, I when I ran the theater on Long Island, it was the same thing. As soon as everybody left at six o'clock and the show was up and running. Forget it. it. That's when I did work. The rest of the day, it's just dealing with people.
0: So I'm gonna I'm gonna put a poll up on KMA this week. Should it be Living in the Past, Paul, or Shameless Paul? New nickname <laughs> for Paul DeGracco, <laughs> which will be Living in the Past, Paul DeGracco, or our my trusty sidekick, Shameless Paul. We'll see which one goes.
3: Uh and now the Italian scallion doesn't sound so bad. Right. <laughs>
0: All right, Robert, before we get into a couple of your other projects and things you do there, um, we have a segment called As The Record Spins, uh, sponsored by Avo Cigars. A good friend, Eddie Guerra, has a question specifically for you today. I just got to interject because it looks like shameless Paul is winning and I already have the intro redone in my head, you know, for the opening segment of KMA talk radio. When, when, when we have um, Duffy say, shameless Paul, we're going to have the big yellow dress picture. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah.
3: Oh crap.
0: Oh, I got it all in my head. It's going to come out perfect. All right, Robert. You know, we have a question to you for you from Eddie Guerra of Avo cigars. And I got to admit, you know, Eddie had gives us a list of questions and we pick one every <laughs> week. And sometimes the hardest battle is, and uh, that question is not going to be good for this guest. Uh, yeah. And some of them are weird. Some of them are good. We looked at this one and said, yeah, this is probably right up of, right up Robert's alley. So, Robert, would you rather be able to breathe underwater or communicate with
4: animals and why? Communicate with animals. And why? I prefer animals to people. <laughs> like I really like them. Like I love animals. And, uh, so I feel like it's a one-sided friendship, if that makes any sense. And, really? and I, I have like, yeah. And I already try to do it like do- dogs and shit like that's easy. But I have like back in the day in Miami, they had a, there's a hotel here called the Biltmore that had like, they would do Fox hunting. So they would bring down Fox, let them go and then people shoot them. Oh. And then some of them escaped. And so there's, there's red Fox. And I have a family of red Fox that live in my backyard. They dug like a little burrow under a tree. And then, so I went online and then I figured out like the noises Fox make, which I'm not going to do here, but I I, like go out and like make noises and shit at them and try to get them to respond. I'll show you a video. I'm, I'm pretty good at it. Please
0: do. I'll post it on KMA. Please do. uh, Let let
4: me, let me send it to you. I have one where I'm like communicating.
0: I'm going to put it up.
4: Yeah. There it is. Got to find it.
0: Shameless Paul. There we go. Oh yeah. That's a classic, right there. The things you do. Well, it's sex. very listen, long. Listen to me. The sad thing about that, Alex, is that 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 looks like it might have been like a head placement, but it's not. No, that's Paul. No, it's not. That's Paul. I know. It looks that's
1: like the head real head. Paul. That is that's
0: true. A sh- a shameless Paul. But you know, I think I think I'd find breathing underwater to be more useful. My whole concern with the talking. A hundred percent. My whole concern with the talking to animals thing is. You don't know how they're going to talk, so you might be able to communicate with them, but you might get like you know Lenny from of mice and men, you know, hello, you know, and you know, there won't be much like dialogue there, It'd be like simple one or two word answers. So
3: I don't know. I think that my I think my dogs would have a lot to say.
0: Oh yeah, fuck yeah, your dogs have a shitload to say.
3: Thank God you can't speak to animals. Yeah, you have you. them on the show. I I don't need help that. me. And- Save <laughs> <them>. <laughs>
4: What would they say about get, you crying? Get me out of when here when you about your house.
3: They weren't in the house either, Robert. They were here.
4: I was very upset that I wasn't included in the little pre-jam because I had a lot to say about that. Go ahead, say it now, man. This is your time. <laughs> you you want to talk about well, crying? I
1: don't know. I mean, the-
0: crying? I mean, which part which part did you want to have, have you address? ever said
1: goodbye to a house, like openly and verbally?
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but I think if I did, it'd be like, "Hey, fuck you," you know. Right. Like, who really? See you, like, see you later. You might love where you live, but the day that you leave, you're like, oh, you know. I don't know. Not Paul, because
0: Paul Paul romanticizes about his life being like a Broadway show. He tries to make his life as it would appear on camera on Broadway. Goodbye, home. <laughs> thank you for all you've done for us. Thank I you, thank you for gonna... keeping us safe from all the danger in our upscale Wellington neighborhood. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: <This> fucking guy.
4: <laughs> By the way, I, you guys are lucky you live in Palm Beach County, man. I love Palm Beach Bro, County. no
0: kidding. The, word, the fact that he used the words, thank you for keeping us safe. safe. I mean, <laughs> it, it's it classic, Paul. Classic, Paul man, unbelievable. Uh. All right, let, let's start talking about this this new variation, the spinoff you did called Lost and Found. For our, for the people who are unfamiliar with it, this project program that you run, tell us a little bit about Lost and Found.
4: Sure. So when I was working, so like I mentioned prior, my my cigar industry, air quotes, career started like with a hotel and restaurant thing and so I was working with a lot of brands and I'd go visit a lot of factories and got to know a lot of owners of a lot of companies. And then I started working with Christian and then I started working on, on, um, on the Caldwell project after that. And so I was kind of like just, you know, going around and visiting factories and trying to figure out what worked. And I've always enjoyed, I like, I like old cigars. I like aged cigars. And so I used to, I was the guy who'd like go into the retail store and find like the yellow cellophane cigar, like look for that stuff before it was a thing, I guess. I mean, I, I just appreciated that in a different way. And I always had. And so I would go to somebody's factory and it started, I think, at Oliva. Like I went to Oliva and they had a cigar called Special S. And then after that, they did like V, O and G. But the S was like this special cigar. And then I think when they launched the other, the O and the G and then the V, like it was just another letter. And it kind of detracted from what the S was meant to be. So they they killed the line, which is what happens and then so I went to Oliva and I, you know, like, yeah, you know, oh man, I really like that special S. And then Hilberto's like on my way out the door, like here's a bundle. So it's kind of a trick that I picked up from visiting other manufacturers. I'd always reference stuff that I liked that I knew they no longer made, if the cigar had in fact disappeared. And guys would always kind of hit me with a bundle on the way out the door. So I was in DR, visiting somebody, and I had the same comment. And then they hit me with a couple bundles coming out of the door. And then I was working on Caldwell, and we had. Had, Tony Bellato owns a brand called La Barba Cigars, which we distribute. And he, that concept had kind of been worked. The blend work had been done in Miami at the Winwood factory. And at the time he was producing with Christian, but then he was going to port manufacturing to us. And I went up to, to meet with him in Ohio, where he lives. And I brought some of these cigars and he smoked them and his dad smoked them. And his dad, his eyes just went like this. And he's like, what are these cigars? And I told him what they were. And he's like, well, where'd you get them? Cause they're discontinued things. I'm like, well, I was down at DR and I got them at X, Y, Z factory. And he's like, they just gave them to you. And I'm like, yeah, I got this scam where I visit guys and I say how much I liked it, you know, kind of hump their leg a little bit. And then they always hit me with a bundle on the way out the door. And he says, can you get more? I'm like, yeah, maybe, I don't know. So then I, I picked up the phone and sure enough, I could get them. And then, so he's like, okay, whatever. There's 5,000 cigars. I'll take them. So then he just wanted them bundled up in paper and, was going to stick them in his retail stores, Tony's dad. And then Tony and Jacqueline, who are the other two partners on lost and found, they came up with this concept of like quirky names and doing like kind of funky, weird shit. And then, so that was uh one night stand, pepper cream soda and then lost reserve, which was like the, like the one, it was like 50 cigars. One of the first things that we did. And then they stuck them on the shelf and nothing happened. I mean, they just like died on the shelf, if you will, for a few months. And then we launched Caldwell And I really blame Cigar Cartel at that point in time, because I think Cigar Cartel, somehow they found out about these cigars. And Tony called me from a Monday to a Friday. They'd sold like 5,000 cigars out of their store. And he's like, can you get more? And at that point in time, we had just kind of thrown a name on it and we called them um, Impromptu, because it was like an impromptu cigar thing for his store. And then we built the concept lost and found kind of around the success of that original importation of those cigars. And then just kept trucking forward. And then uh it was never really meant to be anything it was kind of just like a way to exercise creativity and have fun doing what we were doing which was like getting these old cigars and then as the brand grew we started to get a lot of manufacturers reaching out to us like hey i got these cigars i got those cigars and a lot of really interesting cigars and then it turned into a proper business and then if you want me to segue into anything from there
0: well, I want to to back for one second to clarify a because okay. you mentioned, you know, Tony Bellato and La Barbara cigars. You say you distribute their cigars. So, do you do all your own distribution? Hmm. So you because not, well, not a lot of guys. Well, in we have brokers do.
4: too. We have well, we have a mix.
0: But but you ship your own product out of your own factories. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then you made a deal with Tony, and you were. So if anybody ordered his cigars, that would literally be coming out of your warehouse. You were shipping it to him.
4: Yeah. And, and then in with... addition to that, we took over like his production management. So it's his own brand. It's his own blends. It's his own communication with a factory. But then we do his import. Uh, we do like, you know, inventory, maintenance, those types of things. So kind of streamline his process a little bit for him.
0: So I'm actually smoking your new pepper cream Habano. All right. This is actually i don't know if it's psychological but it just went awesome with the licorice i had earlier um this is different from the original release it's a different color band. yeah yeah and you decide to put this edition in boxes right yes what prompted that change from from the ordinary packaging to boxes
4: well this is the second time that we've done that so the the initial thing for lost and found like we work with a lot of factories on lost and found so it's very hard to streamline packaging into the factories that we work with. So if you can, if you, okay, let's say that we're getting lost and found from six or seven different sources. I have to coordinate packaging into every one of those sources. I got to get the bands in, I got to get the boxes in. Some of these factories have their own box factories or it's third party. We're working with three different countries on on these projects. So the boxes have always added uh, like a very unnecessary unfriendly element to what we do as well as the bands. So when we started out, it was no bands, no boxes. And then the, the the brand was supposed to speak to you through the sticker that had the blend information, all that like relevant information on it. And then that's how it was sold into retail. And then it was never a good project at all for brick and mortar. It was always an online type of sales opportunity because at, at, at retail, it's like a cigar with no band. So it doesn't speak to a consumer. It doesn't speak to a consumer in a premium way. And then so... As things started getting kind of weird the last 18 months with like people doing paper packs, which I mentioned, this is the second time we've done this. So several years ago, we did the same exact pivot, which was a hard pivot out of packs into boxes. There was so much like noise in that marketplace that we wanted to separate ourselves out of it. And we went in like we had a cigar called Suavecito. We did backdoor Bambi. We did a variety of runs that were in, in, in boxes with bands. But the logistics of that whole thing are a nightmare. For a brand like lost and found, because we have to think six or eight months in advance on launches instead of being agile and being able to pull something off in 30 or 60 days. So we made kind of a hard pivot this summer, a decision, as, as I mentioned to you, you know, at some point prior to put stuff in boxes and put bands on it. And going forward, we're going to do everything box and bands. And just because we, we want to get away from the noise, cause I think I'm not sure what happened and I don't want to shit on anybody, but I'm going to do it anyways. At some point, you know, there's these massive amounts of back orders. Nobody's got bands. Nobody's got boxes. People don't have cigars. People can't get shit imported. There's no stickers. There's no cello, whatever it is. Then all these paper packs arise. So it's like, okay, we got cigars, we got paper, and there's, you know, sticker mule. So the solution to a lot of people's revenue issues, I think, have been paper packs. So there's all this fucking noise. And so what started happening to me, really, I started kind of seeing it, um, in the winter time and it really started picking up coming into the spring and I'm getting tagged every day on product. That's paper wrapped bundles with a sticker on it. And people are like, man, I love this new lost and found whatever. And I'm like, that's not mine. And so we made kind of a hard pivot, which is not the best thing to do. I think for the brand in terms of revenue, but like I said before, it's a fun project for us. And then also, you mentioned the charitable component that we'll bring back up later, um, but it's the right thing for me. Like I don't want to be attached to any of that fucking noise. Thank you, Cooper. Um, <laughs> and so I don't want to be attached to that noise because it's it's bullshit for me, you know. And it's not. It, I by the way, I did not create the marketplace. The marketplace was created by Jonathan Drew. The first paper packs that came out ten Mouat, years ago were what? What? Exactly. So we took that concept and we ran with it. So, okay, paper pack bundle, creative sticker, and we were the only ones doing it. And we caught a lot of bullshit for doing it through the whole, you know, point that we did it. And I think that last spring I said, okay, fine, fuck it. I can, I can start building a plan, which by the way, is not fun for me, a packaging plan. So bands, boxes, this, that, all this shit. But now I'm having to, like, I, I, my, I picked up an extra day of work a week to do it. <laughs> Because now I have to design bands, I have to design boxes, I have to, you know, proof packaging, I have to do all this bullshit between like seven or eight factories.
0: So are you putting in now, now three whole days a week?
4: Come on, man.
0: <laughs> I'm you know, sorry. I, 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 I thought I was talking to Paul. I'm sorry. I mean
4: <laughs> Wednesday sorry. to Thursday. Come on, man. You don't have a six day weekend? Come on.
0: Listen. You live the life of Riley. This guy's sending me pictures from food markets. He's all over the world. I love it, bro. You 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 work hard. Listen, like my motto: work hard, play hard. You
1: play hard. Wasn't so he me. like? I didn't. weren't you on the phone? And he was like in the slums of France.
4: Like he was last week, market.
0: He's showing me this big <laughs> area. He's like, hey, it's like two. Well, food I here. Abe,
4: I own an olive oil company.
0: I believe or it. Coal, Why not? You know, in, oh, uh, it's
4: in it's, Spain, and so it's super cool. I don't know if I showed it to you. It's an amazing no. brand. Um, no. I'll send you a picture right now. It's super cool. And uh, and so anyways, I was, I was in France with a buyer of mine who does provisions for like luxury yachts, like 300 plus foot, like crazy. Like he does octopus and he does all these crazy boats. And so he brought me to the food market because that's where they buy all their fresh like fruit and veg and all that stuff. And like, you know, so all of it comes into France from Europe and really all over the world. And then I mean, they bring in—I I don't even know how many square feet. It's called Rungis, R-U-N-G-I-S. It's the most amazing thing. It's the size of an airport. It's next to an airport, next to a train station. All this shit comes in at two a.m. and by seven, all, every stall is empty. So we went there for some meetings, and it really blew my mind. But it's in like a really, like just hor- horrific, uh, part of Paris. So it was super freaky. But that's where I was. You so know, I'm like a limited, I'm like the design partner. I don't really. If, if you were into Robert
0: shit. Caldwell. At any given moment, he could have olive oil, fresh baked lavash bread, you know, licorice. I mean, he's always, look at I that. I just realized Hot that sauce.
1: this is on the desk.
4: <laughs> <laughs> that's a Jupiter guy. The, the, was, the, was, was there a oh, the mango stick. one too? Uh, that's the garlic, and the other one was this ghost pepper.
1: Ghost pepper. I, I know we have an open one in the employee fridge
4: too that oh we use. ghost pepper. Whew. So I want to get to the. Abe, that. I'm sending you my oil picture right now.
0: I got I got a bunch text. of stuff. I'll post this all on KMA after the show. Um, so I want We're going to get to the charity component. And a couple other things, of course. You know, we want to talk about the PCA show this year. But um, this concept, right, of finding cigars pre-made, just repackaging them. You were very open with it about the beginning. There was no delusion. This is what we're doing. We're finding cigars that have already been made, been sitting yeah. around. We're going to repackage them, call them cup and funky, and put them back out in the market very open and honest since you started that program do you feel that there have been companies and other organizations who've kind of jumped on the bandwagon of this model and 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 maybe not so open about it and they're out there and, and they're, all they're doing is making bands and they're pack I like to call them packaging companies because I think I think you're lost yeah and found. for sure I think you're lost and found has kind of started a new segment in this business that's moved on beyond just what
3: you do well, he, he said it on our one of our shows, one of his first appearances with us when, when they uh, talked about Lost and Found that, like, he's like, people do this all the time. We're being honest about it and finding shit that we like.
0: Yeah, but I think it's become, like, a, a bigger segment of our cigar industry. What do you think? A hundred percent. Yeah. I I,
4: I I agree entirely. I mean, it's it's become its own segment entirely. And that's kind of one of our reasons for, like, so – When we had, we had this happen a few years ago. And I think that the, I think that the, the animals out of the cage, if you will. So like several years ago, we, we had like this happen where guys started paper packing, paper packing, stickering. And then we did the hard pivot into boxes and the entire sector died, like it disappeared. And then we went back into paper packs and I don't think we'll ever go back into paper packs for a different reason. Um, And we will have some product that still comes in paper packs. Um, but we, but that's two things. One of it would be a charitable thing or store exclusive thing, like those type of things that don't make sense for us to box and band. But we have, we have a different, like there's, there's different reasons for doing that. But when that happened, originally it stopped, it kind of stopped the market. And now I think the, I think the, I think like the animals out of the cage, I don't think you're going to slow that down, but I think there's going to be a house of cards that collapses where guys are just like, what is all this shit? Cause there's so much shit out there. And then how do you identify it? And then if you're a single cigar consumer, like, I mean, how do you keep track of these cigars and this type of thing? And it's funny. Cause when I used to see, when I used to scroll social media and I'd see somebody smoking a cigar with no band, I knew it was a lost and found. And every time it was now it's a cigar with no band. It's like a brand I never heard of or this or that, or, or like any of these iterations of things that have, that have arisen. And so now it's like almost never a lost and found. And our reason for, for not, really respecting a band to put it on was because cigars never used to come with bands. So back in the day, a cigar would come sold in a box, never in a single and guys would open a box of cigars and they like kind of lean it open and check like the 20 or 25 cigars that were in it, close the cigar box back up and take it. And the cigar spoke for itself. And that was kind of the ethos of lost and found like these are damn good cigars. They're going to speak for themselves. They don't need a band and a lot of old school manufacturers feel the same way about their cigars like packaging is second to the blend but at this current cigar economy the packaging is more important than the blend and then back to back to what we're doing with lost and found like we have our forward releases like we'll have some of the funky fun shit coming it'll come in boxes and then we do have a couple like things that will come in paper packs and that's not actually because we're doing it but it's because it's inventory that we already held like i have a concept that's called secret stash, um, which is like literally my secret stash. I got a ton of cigars that I already bought that I never sold that are from one manufacturer that are very special, that are very well aged. They're already in packs. They're already here in Florida. They're going to get sold off in packs, but very slowly. But then I was having a conversation with another manufacturer about some of these cigars that we buy and they're incredibly old cigars and they're fragile and they're delicate and so I'm smoking one right now. Like if you can see, I mean, it's falling apart while I smoke it, which is a consequence of me not putting it in a humidor, but also the age. Those cigars need to go in a box because they need to be protected. And then also, I want to respect the cigar in a way that it should be respected. It should be put into a box. It should have a band on it because the consumer should know it's a special product. And that cigar in particular, like this one's a 2004 vintage, six. Sorry, I just looked at the label. Uh, it's an incredibly old cigar. And then there's actually instructions that are coming with that product. Do not punch cut the cigar. Like when you punch it, you're going to fucking destroy it. It's too old. So some of these cigars are too old, but we want to respect the cigar and put it in a box. Before it was like, we don't need to put it in a box because cigar speaks for itself. But now we don't, we want to cut through the noise and we want to make sure that that cigar is given the respect that it should have. And our footprint can be smaller. Like I have no doubt that lost and found will sell less cigars next year than it did this year by putting them in the box and the bands. But at the end of the day, I don't give a fuck. Like this is my pet project. I do it for fun. I like making cigars. I like finding cigars. And the other thing too, is like a lot of cigars that we used to be able to get, they're no longer available. We've bought them all.
0: Well, this is my point too, because there's a comment by Charlie Creekmore. It's a simple concept um, lost and found, but it can be copied and duplicated by many, but here's the reality. It really can't be. So, you know, I mean, the, the beauty of what a lost and found project is that as the years go by, there's more lost and founds available, and it works when you have one guy doing it. But when you start getting more and more of these, there just aren't lost and found cigars for 10, 20, 20 different guys no. to make. So, what happens is they're just buying whatever they can and trying to emulate what you've done with lost and found
4: 100%. And actually, I have a manufacturer, I'm not, not gonna,
0: they're not hunting and looking for rarities. No. They're just buying stuff and trying to emulate what you created with lost and well, And Abe,
4: the first phone calls me. So like if a factory's got cigars to get rid of, the first phone calls me because I'll pay for half them up front. I'll come up with a concept. I mean, I'll, I'll find a way to digest the cigars. So whether I'm bundling them out, sell 20s and selling them off as bulk. But a lot of these things, I mean, I'll come in, I'll buy 80 or 100,000 cigars. I'll take... 10,000 or 20,000 for lost and found. The other ones all bulk out as bulk 20s, 20, bulk 25 nude cellos and they become like $4, you know, bulk cigars that you see in everybody's store, but I mean like I consume a ton of this product and I know what's out there cuz I get the phone calls and I I think I get them first. I'd like to argue that I get them first because I'm the biggest buyer of this shit. No, and I know and
0: this is also an That's industry it. of relationships, right? So, yeah, you know, and you've, been, thing you've is, been around, you've been doing this. I think people respect you that this has been your project and your idea. And you're just going to always be known as that guy for that project.
4: A hundred percent. And the other thing is I'm a solution to some yes. of these factories. Like one of the factories that we work with, I was talking to some of the finance guys behind that company. Uh, they were very impressed because they'd always had consistently like several hundred thousand unaccounted for cigars that were unsaleable at the end of the year. Um whether they were too old, killed sizes, killed brands, color sorted out, whatever it was, but they'd always had like they'd had like this dead inventory right so they came into twenty twenty one or twenty twenty with like almost no dead inventory, and they'd been dealing with accountants for years like what's the solution for this, and then we became the solution for that company and then we i mean we've done that with a lot of brands that we've worked with where they've had this stock and then we've been able to digest the stock and then one of the reasons that you saw like lost and found exploded really in 2020 in a bigger way because a we bought every fucking cigar that was out there uh at the beginning of covid because we were getting calls from factories like we we need like they needed to shore up capital and i'm a very conservative guy like i don't spend money on myself if i make money i reinvest it in shit or whatever so when covid hit like i said i kind of just said Fuck it and i threw out and I went out and I bought every goddamn cigar that was available to me. And I'm like, I'll figure out what to do with them later. And then that's when I started doing bulk 20s, bulk 25s, private label stuff, you know, getting rid of the stuff that I didn't find was useful for lost and found. But I know what inventory is out there. And I had a guy contact me a few weeks ago that was looking to buy inventory from a midsize factory that the factory was claiming that it was several years old. And I know the guy, it'd be like if you called me, it's a guy that I like, a guy I respect and he said hey the factory's claiming that this inventory is 2017 or 18 and i know it's not cuz i bought every fucking cigar that that factory had and <laughs> i didn't want to throw the factory under the bus but i said to the guy I said listen man i like you i respect you i would not buy those cigars like if i was you i wouldn't buy those cigars they're they're good cigars but i wouldn't buy them like if you catch my drift and it's a small to mid-sized manufacturer That again, is seeing the dollars that are out there right now with guys procuring these aged air quotes, cigars. But I bought out all their inventory in 2020 and I was offered this list too. And I know it's fresh manufactured product. It's like 90 to 180 days old and they're manufacturing for whomever is gonna come in and buy it. And they're stating the age is older than it is. I don't play those games, you know? And, And so the thing is there's only so much dead stock that's out there and I've already sifted through it. And I saw a brand come out a year and a half ago that they announced the factor they were working with and they got all this old shit and it's old there's there's no negotiating whether or not those cigars are as old as they say they are they are those are cigars that were rolled between 1990 and 2005 or 6 and they have many cigars they have an excess of a million cigars at that, that age and cool sizes like diademas and all this wild shit they're very good prices they're dead the cigars don't work they're too old and so I smoked them. And so the, the issue with cigars, it's like wine, man. You, you got a bottle of wine, it's 60 years old. Do you trust that bottle? It might be corked. A lot of these cigars lose it. So there's certain cigars that are great and there's certain cigars that aren't great. And then so you have to sift through the mess. And so like we have, we have a manufacturer that we, that we purchase a lot of cigars from and a lot of them are very aged cigars and very beautiful cigars. But a lot of those cigars are dead or a lot of cigars you have to really look For what you're looking to find in that cigar and maybe it's there but to me a cigar if how 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 long do you give a cigar to prove itself to you three puffs if it's not Mm -hmm. speaking to you in in the first three minutes you throw it in the fucking ashtray
1: Uh, yeah so so, i mean
4: there, there there might be some product out there but i think we've sifted through most of this stuff and i mean it's not saying that we got all of it but i mean I don't know, man. Like
0: just it's just no. It, it's just not as prevalent as a lot of people would like to tend to consumers to believe. That's, the, that's no, the And some
4: of these some listen, when there's no cigars out there, are these brands gonna sell the shit to you? Because we have an issue like that. We have like several hundred thousand cigars that we've ordered for lost and found use or for private label use or for you know private label projects that we're doing with retailers, other manufacturers, because we also supply like I source a lot of other manufacturers with each product. I got so I got the shit got sold out from underneath me, and it didn't get sold out from underneath me to like a competitor. It it got consumed. I mean, like that brand has a use for this product, so they're like they call me and they're like, hey, you know, we got these cigars. We know that we promised them to you, but sorry, we're gonna use them. I'm like, hey, listen, no problem, whatever. You know, like let me know if more stuff arises. We got so the I kinda, same.
0: We got the same problem in regular product right now. You mm-hmm. know, pe- the people think it's the opposite way around. They, we're opening a warehouse. We're putting in these big orders. and like, oh man, manufacturers should love it. No, they hate it right now. But what, what they're doing is in their head, they're saying, well, we need this to sell when we could sell it to Abe, but then we can't fulfill these hundred customers orders. So do we make one guy happy or do we try to make a hundred people happy? And, and you know, I, I can't argue logic, but yeah, they were trying to make a hundred people happy. So, I mean, part of the problem we're dealing with now is we're placing orders after our opening warehouse order in smaller doses to try to make sure that we have a full warehouse to open up with. I mean, it's crazy, literally crazy right now. So these lost and found, you, have they always been tied to a charity? or Was that something you started, a concept you started after later? Because I know some are, some aren't. I'm not sure how that model works.
4: Well, so technically all of it is, right? Okay. So in different ways. So what happened, I think that, so Richard Branson, who I think is like one of the most amazing entrepreneurs ever, he wrote a book that was speaking about how it's very, somewhat irresponsible for a private business individual to give money to charity in a personal way. Like, unless you're kind of at the end of life or so, and that's, or that's at least how I interpreted um, parts of the book. And he said, okay, if you're a creative entrepreneur, why not build a business who, which benefits charity? So the, the, and it's the same concept, like, okay, if I'm in an airplane, the airplane loses oxygen, you put the mask on yourself first. So you as a business entrepreneur, you need to protect, protect yourself, your future and your interests, and then you can protect those around you. So if you starve yourself of capital earlier on, you can no longer help people. So the argument was like, okay, take care of yourself and then take care of the rest. And then, so he has a lot of business concepts that have charitable benefactors. And I read this book and I was really moved by it because I'm a lot of things and I'm assumed to be a lot of things and all this type of shit. But I, I, I really like, I, I, I have, I hate humanity, but I hate, I hate, I just fucking hate everything, but people that are unable to take care of themselves and also animals. And like, I mean, I care about like bigger picture shit, I guess in a different way. And so I read this book. I was moved by the book. My wife read the book. And then my wife said, why don't you do something like this with Caldwell, which Caldwell, we have done charitable things. And I'm like, we can't do it. We have, we're like, we're too set. And she's like, how about Lost and Found? So pre-COVID, we'd kind of slated. One of them was Cigar for Warrior that we wanted to do a project with them. And then we wanted to do one for um, ASPCA. And then we had another one was like an ocean plastic initiative that we were going to do like Lost and Found releases this year. And then when COVID hit, this year being 2020, last year. So when COVID hit, I went for a bike ride and I went to an area uh, that's somewhat close to my house. It's it's South Miami that has like a small commercial district. And there's not really a lot of like homeless people there, or at least you don't see them. And then when I went, everything was super quiet and there were a lot of homeless people there um, that had just kind of populated, I guess, a little bit or were more visible because there was less non-homeless people there. And, And then all the businesses were shut. There was nobody on the street and I felt bad. So I came back to my house and, you know, I grabbed a bunch of granola bars and bottles of water and shit because I realized these people weren't getting handouts. They weren't getting food and stuff and went down and gave stuff away with my wife. And then at the same time, I'd seen a a thing that had come out on the soup kitchens that were like lined down the street and, you know, food banks lying down the street. And there was not enough supply of food for families in need. So we decided to roll out. A project called no free lunch like that afternoon um which benefited soup kitchens and homeless shelters and food banks so we ran that initiative and i think at the end of the day we fed about a hundred thousand people with that concept wow. and then yeah that was really strong and actually we had retailers that like doubled our donations in their markets and then we had cigar media that came in i'm not going to mention names because they did it anonymously but we had some compounding efforts where we donated let's say 10,000 we were matched by a retailer which was then matched by a cigar publication wow. so the impact was like 30k and then here locally in Miami we had we had a big benefactor step up to our charitable initiatives last year and they said we will double anything that your organization gives so when they made that offer to us um, we said okay we need to do everything that we can so after that was the, the, I mean, the crisis that we saw with the riots and things like that occurring. And we're not a political company, but we identify when there's injustice in the world or like at least lack of opportunity. So when the rioting was occurring, things like that, we said, OK, I recognize that there's that there's imbalances that exist that are always going to exist. What can I do? And necessarily, I don't feel like I don't know. But then I, I kind of like looked into it. So I said, okay. And, and it's not a, a question of black, white, brown, green, yellow, other, but it's a question of like economic opportunity. So we started looking at the inner cities that had tremendous amount of problems. So the two that we identified largely were Los Angeles, California and Chicago, Illinois. And then we partnered with two organizations, one in each city. One of them, the LA organization provided after school education via the arts to bring children off the street and into learn. About the arts, whether it's music, design, graphic design, whatever the hell, but they they were working with Hollywood and Los Angeles creative companies to provide like after school education to inner city youth that kind of turned to the streets, I guess to pass time, and then we found another one that that was in Chicago that provided South Side of Chicago tutoring and after school education services to children that wanted to learn that came from families that couldn't afford. You know, Kumon and shit like that, that like other people can. And then from there, we, we participated, um, with the, the tunnels to tower, which is largely 9 11 organization first responders. We did a release 100% of, uh, benefit went to that. Um, so we partnered with protocol cigars on that because Juan, Juan was a 9 11 first responder. So we said, we want you involved and we did a, a joint venture release, gave everything to that organization. Then we turned the corner, and we did one called El Pavo, which fed about 5,000 families here locally in Miami. Full Thanksgiving dinner. I um, just, so found, every single I just found
0: some of those bundles. <laughs> yeah, know, we got a couple. You know what's funny is moving to the warehouse. Somebody may have mentioned, I think it was Alan Rubin, of course. Uh, um, if anybody has, didn't have cigars for 20 years, it just means they didn't sell for a reason. Not always true. That that is that is something that has to do with scale. Because I could tell you, 15 years ago, I could tell you everything we had at any given moment. But as you scale up, and you start moving, and you start shuffling, and you outgrow, and you tuck things away, man, there is stuff that we're finding in the warehouse. Yeah, we're moving stuff to the warehouse. I mean, it's nothing you could do. Anything? Oh, we got 30 bundles of this, 20. But if you're not a member of our smoking social Facebook page, I'm going to tell you all right now, now's the time to join because we're going to be doing such stupid, crazy drops, making room and clearing out stuff that there's really no point to do all this work for 20 bundles of this or 10 right. boxes of this that we found. We're just going to drop it on the social page, hot and heavy, get them out the door. Guys are going to find some cool stuff, great deals, get out the door and we're just going to do it to our our, our private smoking social Facebook great, uh, group. So if you're not in it, I'm telling you not just a great community man there's so much socialite love i call it in that group i'm I'm founded every week by somebody um one of our dear members and 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 one of our um you know guys that really supports us quentin his son had a reading project and they just slammed it and i think they shattered a record the kids leading his whole school and uh raising money for reading so um really a phenomenal group yeah you do kind of sound like that alan no, That's actually my Lou Rothman voice. <laughs> um, actually,
3: that's a pretty good, Lou Rothman. Voice. <laughs>
0: um, so look, this the show' is getting away from us. I do we cannot end the show uh, and not have this show and not talk about your PCA presence this year. You have became a you were a point of discussion, whether you chose to or not, you know, whether it was by design or by accident. <laughs> you were a hot topic of this year's PCA trade show and there were rumors going around your warehouse got confiscated all your stuff was gone um it, just just to read a quote here by um let's see who was it It was charlie, charlie from half wheel yeah so charlie from half wheel says the entire booth setup is made up of two folding tables one pop-up display banner and a handful of metal folding chairs oh and a little bit of trash um Caldwell's booth won the worst exhibit award handed out by the Sands Expo Convention Center cleaning staff who had been convinced that the trash in the booth space was intentional and not something that needed to be picked up. Um, You left the show early and posted on social media thanking the 73 retailers who came to the show. So there was definitely caused a lot of discussion points. uh, Your presence at this year's trade show. What's the real story behind it, Robert?
4: That's such a loaded question, man. But I like it. Um, I mean, one of many things. Like, first of all, so we—I mean—we normally have like twenty booths, right? And we have this huge fucking booth that we bring in and we build out this whole thing. And it's just like you waste so it, a bunch of facets. A, you waste a ton of money as a brand going to the show. Like you, you put together this whole thing and you store it and all this shit. So we, we like we stop paying rent on our storage of the booth and we let whomever take it actually they charged us so it
0: was a true story i wasn't even sure if that was a true story you did lose no no it's not a
4: true story it's not a true story we deliberately threw away the booth last year like we just said fuck you we're not paying for it throw it away so we so it's not like they confiscated like we we in 2020 like at I, was the hoping, of, at the I was
0: hoping to see some some Caldwell paraphernalia on Storage Wars. Well, I was just going to say that.
4: <laughs> well, whoever bought that storage unit was upset. Like you get all these old milk crates, right? So, <laughs> so I mean, first of all, the, this trade show makes zero economic sense in terms of like spend. I don't think there's a necessity to spend the type of money that you spend to generate the business that you generate, and then at the end of the day, your margins just collapse by attending the show and putting on this hurrah. And I like to correlate it to like, if you go to American Airlines and you open up like the fucking magazine, there's like five or six manufacturers in that magazine. You think they sell cigars or you think they do it for each other? They do it for each other. I mean, there's no right. fucking benefit to paying us $25,000, but all manufacturers live in Miami. We all fly American. We all look at the stupid magazine and it's like, Oh, here's five guys that like made it. Like it's the stupidest fucking waste of money. Like nobody goes and buys cigars because that magazine. And I feel like the trade show, it's a lot of that. Like this you know, shiny shit, smoke and mirrors competition.
3: Look at me. And it's
4: bullshit. Yeah, look at me, look at me. So it's like, okay. So we kind of like, we kind of figured that out in the 2019 show. We like, we said, okay, these are major distributor catalog, all these sales. These are like our buddy retailers. These are like our regulars. So what were then our add-on sales that occurred from being at the show? And we realized that that number was a small fraction of what our gross sales were. So what are we putting on this show for? So we decided in 2019 that we would no longer attend in a big, big way in terms of space. So we decided to scale back. And then, so we attended to see people. So like, Abe, you and I sat down, we ate licorice. I gave you some of that delicious lavash. bread I found in California, the lavash baby. But I mean, we go, you know, I don't give a fuck. Like, let's just go hang out. And then you generate the sales that you generate and it's a great time. But like, that was our most profitable show we've ever had. And it wasn't our (laughs) top seller. I, you know, a lot of manufacturers every year, it's like, this was the best show I ever had bullshit. I don't fucking see it. I mean, listen, if you're a brand that was selling 50 or a hundred thousand last year, and this year you're selling a quarter million. Yeah, it was. So if you're a brand that's in that like parabolic growth stage, which there's a lot of them now. Thanks to cigar clubs, online retail, you know, there's a lot of these guys that are exploding. So yeah, the parabolic growth, or if you restructured your company, fine. But a lot of other guys, it's like bullshit, man. Like there weren't enough people there. And then, so that's the other thing is too, like I, I, I that organization, I don't know, like I'll go, but I mean, like, I, I have a hard time saying, what do they do for a manufacturer?
0: Did you? Cause I
4: feel like there's an imbalance of opportunity there.
0: Did you reserve a booth for next year?
4: No. <laughs> I mean, so if, 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 so my, my thing is one of two, I'm like, maybe they'll kick us out. So that was an artistic interpretation. Like that was art. And that's why I wouldn't let them clean up the booth. They're like, what is this? I'm like, it's my fucking booth, you know? Then and I, you I mean, <clears throat> it's everything that we wanted. And we left early. I don't give a fuck. Like we literally went to have burritos. Like that's what we did. Great burrito spot off the strip. So anyways, but I mean, like, what what do I need to do to, like, that, I've never, I don't know, Abe, I've had a really cool booth many times. I've had very creative booths.
0: I've seen I've never
4: gotten any play on any of my booths. I've attended the show seven years. Somehow, magically, like, for five years, I've never been on the floor plan or never in the registry. Every year, guys, are like, hey, are you here? Because we can't, Uh like, I'm like, what is this bullshit? So, fuck it. Oh,
0: they talked about you this year.
4: Yeah. So you know what? I'm like, maybe they'll block me next year. If they do, I don't give a fuck. Right. And then if they don't block me from going, like, I'll attend anyways because I'm happy to go see the retailers because they're like, fuck it. Like, let's go and let's smoke cigars and let's do what we do. But I mean, the trade shows, like, I mean, on life support, maybe like they have a GoFundMe page. Wow. (laughs) They have a fucking GoFundMe page. They do not. I swear to God. They do wow. not. They have a fucking GoFundMe. Like, they Paul's have looking. a GoFundMe. Page I'm looking.
0: Paul's looking. So I take it your plans at this point is not to attend next year.
4: If it's there, I'll go.
0: Because to go, me, it's not political. You, but don't you have to have your booth reserved already?
4: No, because you can grab it last minute. That's what you we can. did this year.
3: Okay. We, yeah. we have and I mean, to, they have a GoFundMe page.
4: They have a fucking GoFundMe page. Really? Like the scammer, the scammer in Opalaka that's running a fucking, you know, goddamn charity fraud has one too. They got a fucking GoFundMe page, man. So, what, I mean, come on. And then, what and then every say? year.
0: What are they saying
3: in the GoFundMe page? Help us, please. Uh, I just confirmed it with two of our news sources. I'm looking for it now. Man. Wow. And
4: so, Abe, you tell me.
0: How can you even justify that with people who have real problems and real needs? That's insane.
4: Isn't it fucking crazy? I mean, it's bullshit. And so, you, again, you can't,
0: you can't have a property that you own somewhere in Washington, D.C., and have a GoFundMe page. Then you just sell your property.
4: Yeah. I mean, they're, they're just like, it's. Oh, yeah. Alex got it. I mean, get the fuck out of here, Abe. That's bullshit. GoFundMe charity.
0: I, I ain't going to so lie. Now I'm not gonna lie. That's, that's a
4: little disappointing. Charity. It's insane. But that's the level of desperation that I think that the world's gotten to with this organization. And at the end of the day, like, fuck it, man. We're doing just fine. I'm sure you're doing just fine, Abe. Like, everybody's doing just fine. And if 2020 proved us something, it's that like you don't need these goddamn shows. And so the shows are beneficial for what? Like, Germany. I like going to that show, man. That shows business. I eat fucking pretzels. I eat sausages. They got the fucking one that's got the curry on it. And, you know, I sit down with, with distributors and retailers and other manufacturers from all over the world and we smoke a cigar. And at this year's trade show, like, it was hard to find an order form in my booth. I don't fucking care because I'm going to come into the show. I'm going to sell you with like this big discount. I'm going to sink all this cost into my booth. I'm going to, so I'm going to lose 10% of my show on cost. I'm going to lose 15, 20% on discount. I'm going to lose 3% on cost of attending. Listen, so now I'm down all these points.
0: I'm not going to lie. What? When Robert took my trade show order, if I had to bet a signed bill that that order was going to get fucked up, I would have bet it. Because Damn it was it. like, I mean, seriously, it, it, it was like, all right, let's grab some. We, uh, we need to borrow a chair from here. We sat down. I'm like, are you going to write this stuff down? yeah I just write it down. I got... And then it came perfect so i i gotta commend like i'm in utter shock because if i had to bet good money that that order was going to come up screwed up in some form or fashion i would have bet solid money that it did and it came straight
3: mind-boggling the gofundme page has really hit me I'm, I'm reading it and that's something that that scott pierce didn't mention in his interview I, I, I'm
0: shocked, I ain't gonna lie It's it's a little bit shocking I'm dumbfounded
1: that some, they raised $30,000 There's, no, actually, there's
0: what the fuck? no way If I was on a board That I could ever vote Yeah, let's do this
3: Especially knowing the kind of money That the organization
4: has And or brings it Like Anyway It's fucking pathetic Like it's just weird, man And so here's the thing Like back to the charity thing you got money to give, give it to somewhere that fucking matters. Yeah.
3: Well, yeah, the way you, the way you explained it before, Robert was really like, uh, was really very well put and very well said and what you do. And, and obviously we've had you on the show a lot and you've talked about it, but you know, a lot of people talk about you in that positive note too, because of how much you do for charity and how it actually impacts people rather than, you know, throwing money at organizations that may not necessarily use it or, or whatnot. I think
0: I think GoFundMe conceptually is a great thing. I just think it just totally gets abused, and it, I don't know that that to me is my, my favorite
4: body. is when you see somebody's trying to raise a hundred thousand and they get like six mil. Like, have right. you seen those campaigns? <laughs> right. It's oh crazy. yeah, I have. Right. Well,
0: I'm sure just like everything else in life, there are guys who found a way to scam it and creatively work it, and just like anything else, unfortunately, there will always be people who will take advantage of it. Let's get Coop on, man. We are running super long today. Um, just to go to show you, there's always good stuff to talk about with Robert Caldwell. But let's see what's going on with Scoop and see what he feels about this this GoFundMe page. I'm curious. Hey,
1: y'all, what's my theme music? The
0: Scoop with Coop. Breaking industry news. Hear it first on KMA Talk Radio and cigar-coop.com. Yeah, Coop. Coop, before, before we go any further, I just really want to thank you for taking your time out of your weekend, driving 10 hours to be part of our 10-year episode uh, last weekend. It was great to see you, and I'm very, very honored and happy you showed up. And
3: All we, we saw him as soon as he got in, and he was working. Yep. He was sitting with his laptop working. <laughs> he was. After a ten hour drive.
2: Yeah, no, it was an honor to be down there. I, I You know, I haven't been traveling much with COVID Um i did want to make this happen so i was very appreciative for everyone there and to see you guys as well i kind of went back on lockdown a bit now again um just to play it safe but um like i said it was it was very special i wanted to be a part of that because i remember listening to the first show in my backyard 10 years ago so are you in the bathroom (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm not in the bathroom, Robert.
0: That'd be a big window to have in the bathroom. Yeah,
3: Robert. exactly. <laughs> in a I thought it looks
4: like what you're leaning on on your right arm. Coop. It looked like a porcelain sink.
3: <laughs> Coop,
0: I, I, you know, you, you're the straight and narrow. You are the straight man. You've always, right. you are the straight right. man of the cigar industry. You know, the, the traditionalist. I, I, I really curious on your opinion because i'm shocked because i just found this out from robert never even heard this what do you how do you feel about a gofundme page for the pca
2: well i'm kind of in the boat with what robert said i think gofundme has a particular usage model and i think there's certain things that it's used to help people in need so i i really feel that that's what it was intended to be now i know the pca has has to raise funds, and they don't have a fundraiser right now, and I think they're struggling with that. So they need ways to raise funds. I just don't know if this was the way to do it, to be honest with you, because, again, I kind of feel like Robert says this serves a purpose. I'll just make one comment, though. No one complained about when Steve Saka used it with his woodchuck thing, so I just want to keep that in mind. That's, you know Remember that uh, Steve Saka had to go fund me to free the woodchuck, if you remember
0: so I, I mean was that more out of humor
3: than well he
2: did do, and he did donate that to a, yeah, to a charitable I mean, function but yeah. but i just want to keep that in mind too it, you know I think, hey was having fun but yeah i think that he was wanted the woodchuck to live man yeah but yeah. if
4: he gave the money to a charitable organization he did he, he did yeah he did Yeah,
2: he um i think that, but they do need to raise funds the pca there's no question about it and you know, I'm not. They don't have a fundraiser. That's the problem. They don't have some. They need a professional fundraiser. In there so
0: let like me that. ask you a question, Coop. If I have a bad year in business, and instead of figuring out how to repivot, salvage, grow it, do something else, I go make a GoFundMe page, help save smoke in. How how is that interpreted?
2: Well, the uh, does I GoFundMe afraid, become it, the cop out for bad it business, does, no, bad it decision making. It it shouldn't. But keep in mind PCA is not for profit and smoking is for profit.
0: All right. That that would
2: be the only thing I would say with that. Yeah.
0: That's why you're that's why you're
2: my straight man. Right, right. Good point. Yep. I hope I hope you would not use a GoFundMe page. I don't think no, I know you wouldn't. Yeah. Never.
0: Yep. I'd take a third job before I would start a GoFundMe (laughs) page. Right. I'm just from that old school mentality. I mean, listen, I can't say I can't say bad things about it because I know people whose houses are burned and stuff and and it's great I'm just me personally my personal decision I could never publicly go out there man I would I would I would literally like rob banks
4: <laughs> by the way if you guys ever want to give money to somebody on goFundMe give it to them directly because goFundMe charges a commission yep for sure every do. dollar paid in sure they do it's a for-profit entity
0: yeah I think I think Facebook if you do it through Facebook they don't take a commission because Facebook has now, you know, where you could raise money for causes through Facebook. I think they don't, but, you know, everybody takes their slice. That's, you know, that's what you got to avoid. So anyways, Coop, what's the scoop this week?
2: It's a light week in news, so it kind of works this week. But let me just mention it's two releases that have hit the market. Um, The first one is from Gurkha Cigars. Uh, It's the Revenant line. Um, It's a two-blend line. One's a Corojo the other is a um, Maduro, uh, San Andres Maduro. And what's kind of cool about these releases is that they're the first from this uh, Gurker to come from Tabacalera El Artista in the Dominican Republic. That's kind of an up and rising factory. They're doing the cigar for David Ortiz right now. They've been um, around. They've been around for a while um, doing a lot of
0: private. Yes, a lot of private stuff as well. Private yes. blends, and then they had the David Ortiz cigar, the Big Pappy. But. I'm going to tell you something i had the pleasure of meeting them this year at the trade show um good people very good um, people uh it's actually a line that we've bought in that will be featured in our new warehouse their buffalo 10 which is like a five dollar cigar it, this will all be available online we you know look all that stack of papers i showed earlier here in the shore it's not magic somebody's got to take product shots got to be entered uh the, yeah the goat's doing a lot of the entering um but uh, the buffalo 10 which is a five dollar box press is selling like wildfire, like like literally a California wildfire in our retail stores. Yeah, um, and they actually made the new sindicato uh, uh, sindicato. I was gonna Ar- say, which, uh, yep. Which I saw looked beautiful, smoked. Uh, I think I think they're going to be an up and coming little company. I mean, I as far I as as far as having their own brands, I think they're totally, going to be getting out
2: there. Totally agree. Uh, in fact, that Buffalo Tent, Connecticut, uh, Ben Lee who's on our team. Uh, and I smoked it. We think it was one of the best value cigars, and and actually it was one of the better cigars at the show. We were really impressed with again a five dollar cigar, um, you know. And, and there are you can get good, very good cigars at that price, and that was one of them. That was one of them for
0: five dollar stick. I, I was actually shocked. Um, and if anybody is interested, you can call the shop before we can get up online. But they're selling like hotcakes. But it was one of my operations. Guy literally walked over there, and he's like, uh, the importer. Of their line happens to be a good friend of mine they're, they're they're guys in fact the brother is the guy who sings the opening theme song for our show have a big my big cigar and, and brighton and uh, performed live at the great smoke earlier this year um they actually import their cigars and they asked me as a favor they wanted to meet me walk me over there and i just went over there to meet them and my operations guy like what are you doing here you know and whatever and we i saw the buffalo 10 packaging he gave me a cigar to smoke i'm like this cigar will be a grand slam at the register for five dollars a stick or whatever, and we bought it in, and it's selling like wildfire. So good. interesting, yeah. you bought them up, but yeah, El Artista.
2: Yep, and and Ram Ram Rodriguez is the owner. Good guy. I've had him on the show a couple of times. Recommend he's we great guest for KMA.
0: You were just taking the words out of my head as I was as you were saying it. Yeah, yeah, he would be really good. What else you got going on?
2: Um, the other thing that's uh hit uh is Partigas uh from the Partigas out of uh, the U.S. Ford cigar Company's Partigas which used to be General Cigar Company's Partagas, uh, they had a new cigar that's starting to arrive at retailers called the Cortado. Um, and what's significant about that, it's the first Connecticut shade Partagas, and it's the first Partagas also to be made in Nicaragua. Um, it's going to be in four sizes, and it's kind <clears> of <throat> interesting the sizes. There's a Corona, a Robusto, a Toro, and then there's an 8 by 54 Presidente size that's in this. So that has already arrived at the stores as we speak. That's the new red box. That's the red box, yeah. I have not smoked it yet. Neither have I, but we got those in. Yeah, I'm curious to smoke that Presidente size and see how it smokes. What
0: else? Anything else going on, Coop?
2: That's it. It was a very light week this week. All
0: right. Well, not to interrupt and ruin Alex's haircut appointment, uh, let's jump. (laughs) (laughs) usually Usually got a Saturday appointment right after the show. Let's jump right into season two of Tale of the Tape.
1: All right, coming down to the bottom Here we are at number 2 Of our top 10 pro wrestlers Of all time Coming in, number 2 for me Is none other than Hulk Hogan Um, I hate Hulk Hogan He's an awful wrestler I think he had an awful gimmick He was supposed to be He was like the, the American hero But like his colors were yellow and red Like nothing makes sense about Hulk Hogan Terrible dresser terrible weird finishing move a leg drop but if you were an eight-year-old kid at the peak of hulk hogan there was nothing bigger than hulk hogan and he's still probably the biggest star that wrestling has ever seen so hulk hogan unfortunately go ahead Coop.
2: all right uh you mentioned this person last week but he's at my number two bruno san martino uh the living legend or was the living legend um you talk. This guy had the longest reign as the uh, WWF uh, at the time champion. Um, he had two reigns of it. Um, I actually think I was almost making a case for him at number one, but kind of towards the end of his career, he had some injuries. And, um, you know, they kind of extended his career a bit with the whole Larry Zbysko feud, which, you know, sold out Shea Stadium. He sold out Madison Square Garden many, many times. There weren't pay-per-views back then. Right events the were Madison Square Garden. And Bruno just headlined it and sold it out and sold out. And the guy could wrestle. He could actually wrestle. Hulk Hogan couldn't wrestle.
1: No, not a bit. No. There it is. But digitized the
0: screen this week, or did we miss it? We do. I don't know. Paul's doing things. There he goes. But P- Paul <laughs> probably the last minute. He didn't upload it. Ugh, no, I had hard. it. I uploaded. I had uh, it uploaded. I had to make sure it's not missed. And he's on mute. He doesn't even know it. He does. He's so on point. He doesn't he
3: know. Pretty, he always uploads it. I'll give him the credit. Put it
0: up one more time, Paul. You get to, Now I'm going to be honest with you, man. I would have called farce. I could see Coop not putting Hulk Hogan on there, but I would have called yeah. farce if one of you didn't pick Hulk Hogan because all your points were made legitimate, man. But he was wrestling at one point. In the I era. yeah, I agree. He was Again, I that I I wrestling I, was I, the first battle royales I mean, it was the Hulk, man.
2: The yes, Hulk.
1: but. Again, like I said, if you're an eight year old kid at the time oh, yeah. but all things considered, Hogan's
2: Bruno awful. beat him a couple Bruno beat him actually, because Bruno did fight him and Bruno beat him several times.
1: Awful stiff wrestler. Just he, was, awful. he was I begrudgingly my number. Every two.
2: Every Hulk Hogan match was the same. Yeah. You know, it was then it was that stupid thing where he'd be down and then he'd kind of like rise up like a Hulk. It was, it was Ken, he was cartoonish. Yeah. That, yeah. It was cartoonish.
0: Okay, I got news for you guys. Pro wrestling is cartoonish.
1: Yeah, but he's like, you watch Bruno, though. <laughs> you watch guys like
2: Bruno San Martino. They weren't cartoonish. They, they they really wrestled, and they it was kind of like they incorporated. I wonder I if Hulk about. Hogan
4: has a GoFundMe. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no, well, no, he he, he, uh, yeah.
1: he made a. Ton of money off that lawsuit, didn't
3: he?
2: Oh, I'd say, but he probably did before that. Yeah, you know? yeah, before that he was struggling. I think financially, he was doing the the reality show for Wasn't a while.
1: It, uh, it, No, he sued like I don't know, BuzzFeed or one of them. Gawker.
2: Gawker. 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 Yeah, had to go yep. out of business.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yep. Da- Daniel Lemus, your
0: list is garbage. <laughs> wow. Where's okay. I guess so
3: You're talking about the showmanship, the 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 crazy over the top antics. So I guess I can't expect Mick Foley
2: on either one of your lists. So. You know
1: I I'm calling me and Coop have the same number one. If not... I think,
2: I think we do, too.
1: Oh, this will be interesting.
2: Yeah, I think we do, too. If let's tell it when. I think yeah. it will be. Robert, you pro-wrestler guy growing up at all?
4: Yeah. No, you know, because yeah. it was, like, fake. That shit's yeah. weird. And that... Like yeah, you didn't Stone know War. that when you were oh, eight. Oh, hold
0: on. It became, it. it became way more entertaining when they just acknowledged it was fake. Fake. It was the years of they were trying to pull it off that was real. That was kind of like... And that was my era. You know, you, everybody remember John Stossel getting whacked on on, on uh, uh, yeah, Doctor Day twenty twenty. I mean, it's got whacked for calling it. He did.
1: <laughs> so we got number one next week, and then I'm super jacked for next season.
0: Yeah, but we're not, we're not, we haven't announced that yet. No, right? we
1: have not. Okay, we we'll have not that. Next Maybe week. I'll see if we can get a teaser ready after number one next week.
0: All right. We're going long, so we're going to skip the insane asylum this week, being that I didn't have one ready. <laughs> but poop, Paul. poop. No, that's on me. I've taken that. Oh, okay, I'm Paul's sorry, life. Paul. Paul's
3: life is too hectic for menial chores. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I want to take the camera in the other room and show you what's going on, but I won't. But yes. Did you cry you when you got yet. your new house? The new house we're not in yet. We're gonna. Wait, are, are, you are you gonna, you gonna cry? Up? Oh, am I gonna cry? I'll cry when we
2: leave it. <laughs> Are you going to cry on your return to Disney today? No. You know, after a month I don't
3: want just, to. Just to preface this, when Robert <laughs> made a joke that New Yorkers go to Disney on holiday weekends, you're right. My my family that's from New York was planning on going and we're meeting them there. We would, we would never go on a holiday weekend. We normally don't. We go during the week. But...
4: Yeah. Hot as balls, like no parking. I imagine it's a little better well, with like – toned down from COVID, maybe? The, no, the it just, they
3: just jacked it back up a week or so ago, apparently. <sighs> gotta wear masks Mickey. everywhere again, so it should be interesting. Mickey's
0: expecting wow. you. Yeah. Well, William, thank you for joining us. As, as always, one of our best and favorite contributors. Um, check out more at uh, cigar-coop.com. Robert, thank you for spending Saturday morning with us and hopefully entertaining My pleasure. some of our friends. Uh, pepper cream soda to the nub.
4: babe next, next time, excellent. if it's in person, we're going to go to food shack or leftovers in jupiter i'll meet you
0: you. of course you do paul
4: i'll meet you up there i was actually i was very upset when i realized that it was uh like well it was convenient for me not to leave my house today but i was looking forward to driving up doing that and then i was gonna go eat like he
0: was texting me like let's meet let's go to jupiter after show i said why are we gonna go to jupiter because I thought I thought you were just going to be in the area. It's like you know that's like a forty minute drive from here. But yeah, I, but it's I,
4: fucking worth it. I mean, that's the best the two restaurants in the world. Mm, Those two mm, in Greek Isles mm, Taverna in North mm, Fort Lauderdale. I'll, I, I'll drive. I'll drive an hour and a half. Greek Isles
1: is good. Greek
0: Isles right. is good. All right. Who do next week? I think we got the guys from Arizona. i confirm that. So. But I think we got the guys from Arizona Cigars. Uh, we've been a little inundated and slacking in our KMA duties, but. Once again, thank you to everyone out there who joined us this week. Uh, We hope we started your Saturday morning, educated you, give you a few laughs. And until next week, everybody, keep it lit.